I'm good to go. Testing. Oh, I can hear myself good. Yeah. yeah. Make sure I had a little bit. Of... Something funny happened on with that uh, author I was talking to you about. As a matter of fact, the this is supposed to all be under the table. Sure. I have not networked all the cables. You just moved in. I'm still using this mixer and not this. One, you <laughs> okay. Know? Yeah, the little one. So. Um, this thing here got drug up all the way. This will sound funny for a second. And I was like, and we didn't wear the headphones, so I wasn't charting that it was doing it. Mm -hmm. But I was able to do some post-editing and, and remove essentially all of that. And yeah. I think we're I think we're good now. Audio is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm still like, look at all the audio stuff in here. I, I've got to figure out how to, my buddy's come by tomorrow, Dylan. He's been on the show once. But I hope we podcast tomorrow, but we're going to spend time trying to hook this into everything, right? And I might even, I don't know, I might make a way to like for this to sit like in a slot over there where that chair is. I don't know. I hadn't figured it out yet. This mixer is insane. I was messing with it earlier and I was like, how am I going to figure out how to use it? Yeah, for a few years I actually... Um ran live audio equipment with mixers digital yeah. cues all kinds of stuff and i loved it i learned the theory from a guy who uh learned quite a bit himself i read the manuals and everything and i love the theory the behind up there yeah. is like uh i've been watching youtube videos I oh, nice. admit. that's how i i learn man when so I, once i started switching on audible i went from like two or three books a year mm -hmm. now i'm on 53 Wow. Now, I set a goal to do 100 books, but, like, it's surely the fact that it's the audio books. Yes. Like, it is so just next level, man. I mean, I'm uh, I'm listening to a book uh, two, three hours a day, at least, when I wake up, when I exercise. And then usually when I'm driving. So, I've drive to Moralton a couple of times a week or uh, five times a week sometimes in the car, hour there. Or an hour there and back, you know, it's 30 minutes each way. That's exactly what I do. I, many years ago, I worked for a landscaping company for a while. Yeah. And when I rode the mower, I would listen to audiobooks. That Yeah, I, a buddy of mine who's, uh, I was just talking to him the other day, and he's, two buddies of mine own a lawn mowing company together. And he was like, oh, dude, I'm cranking him out. And he, but he was saying he was behind me, and I was like, come on, man. I'm not even on the mower. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, Brock Boozer. Brock Boozer, that's on right. On the show. What a yeah. cool name. I knew it was something like I was – is that is that a French? No, it's actually interesting. Uh, I haven't done the research myself, but my grandmother on my father's side supposedly did, and this is what I was told. Um, as far as they could trace it back, uh, there was a guy – moved over here from switzerland and he came from a town called boos b-u-s okay small little dot like not existent anymore i don't think but when he came over they called him john of booser and somehow along the way that got trans transferred to b-o-o-z-e-r instead of b-u-s-e-r interesting yeah i wonder when it moves like from a pronunciation to a spelling difference mm -hmm. like you hear the story like on uh those stories of people migrating here like Ellis Island stuff like that but I've heard stories like what you just said many times anytime I hear a name that I'm like don't see regularly right. I'm fascinated by just the linguistics of it I'm like okay 
I just saw somebody arguing on a post earlier. It's it's the, actually the artist that works for Tool or does all their artwork. Oh, neat. But he was talking about uh, <clears throat> consciousness, and uh, he said the number one thing that he thinks has moved human consciousness forward is language. Hmm. That makes sense. And I was like, okay. And he's like, there was a time when there was no language, according to, you know, what theories you survey. Sure. But, um, and he's like, so we evolved from that. And he, he was breaking down a lot of cool stuff. I was like, this post is heady. It's, but this dude, ironically, he has this uh, church that he built. And I want to say it's in New York, but it's like, it's like, uh, new age i guess you could i don't even know like it's not uh, uh, like ev- evangelical uh, christian uh, no okay, okay they're they're like uh man i i wish oh, where did i set my phone we'll fuck about that later but I'll it's it's wild it. it's um it's called uh i keep showing it to people i can't remember the name of the church duncan trussell who is on joe rogan's podcast a lot had alex gray on his podcast and they were talking about crazy shit I was watching a Tool concert live on YouTube the other day, okay. and Alex Gray was like sitting on his knees on the side of the stage watching Tool play, and he's like he's done a lot of their artwork, but he is into this uh, crazy uh, narrative of uh, like spirituality, human consciousness, our experience, like DMT land shit, you know, okay. like yeah, out there. Yeah. So, you know, which is, which everything's on a spectrum. I don't even know what you call that, but it's not like evangelical Christian, you know what I'm saying? So, sure. So, which we're going to talk about some of that. Like, what a great time to sit down and talk about this. Did you watch the show on, uh, which not to associate with with what we're going to talk about in any way with this, really, but did you watch Waco on Netflix? No, I have not. Pretty wild. I, 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 I knew about it, but that got me down the rabbit hole, right? Like, I knew the story of what happened, but I didn't know any of the particulars. Mm-hmm. You hear it and you're like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, you, you kind of hear the, the side of it. Like, should we really be storming that compound? And then like, I heard kind of all sides of the narrative, but I didn't know any particulars about the people inside. Um, nothing. The militarization of the police that's going on. Like nothing did I really cue in as in depth as like, I've started watching a couple of documentaries on it. But so like some of your friends would, would say like, you were a member of a cult. Is that a, is that a true uh, statement? Would you justify like would you say that or is that or would you like remember this really strict sect of Protestant Christianity? No, I, I would say it's a cult for sure. Um, okay. In fact, what's quite funny is while I was in the cult, I used to call it a cult even before I fully came out of it and was realizing that it was wrong because of how the world defines a cult. I recognize it as a cult. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. Um, there's, there's all different ways you can define a cult, but like probably one of the most simple ones is, you know, people who believe they have the only true knowledge. Nobody else gets it right. So you have to be in there and you have to be part of the cult. Nobody else is going to get whatever the cult is going to receive. And yeah. that's what it was from the start. So um, I wasn't proud of that and nobody else called it a cult, but I recognized it from the beginning. But yeah, you did get... <clears throat> more interested like at, at a certain point like you were exposed you were exposed on a minor level and you kind of yes got more involved gradually was that how did that process kick off sure yeah do you want me to start sort of how i got started yeah okay so if i go back 
from the beginning, I was raised Baptist all the way uh, from a young child. In fact, I used to go to a church just down the street from here. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, if we run down the street and around and then through that parking lot and back, it's a mile. Yeah, it's great. Missionary Baptist, yeah. A victory missionary Baptist. I don't know if they changed the name. I think that's the same, yeah. Yeah, I was raised as a Baptist and probably in my very early teens, like right turning 12, 13, I actually started to really uh, believe a lot of the things they teach, and I was really interested. So at about 14 years old, I started reading the Bible a little bit more than an average person, and I started seeing some discrepancies, um, particularly with the Baptists. I don't, I don't think all Baptists believe this, but the vast majority do. They believe in once saved, always saved, um, something they pull from Romans. But uh, the book of J- John talks about faith without works is dead. And uh, that shocked me. And, you know, you can go more into the, in the details of it, but yeah. it sort of goes against each other. And I asked my youth pastor at the time about it, and he couldn't really explain it. But I was raised to be, uh, to respect authority mm-hmm. and to, you know, understand that people know more than you do. The first time I got told I had a problem with authority was in my youth pastor's office at church. Hilarious. I know, That's right? Hilarious. And then I was like, now I'm like, you're damn right. I wish I did. I wish I would have had more of a problem with authority, but I didn't. So I took the humble approach, whatever you want to call it, and said, you know, he knows something I don't just because he can't explain it. When you're 14 or something, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but that sort of screwed with me because, you know, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people like to see themselves as being good, right? Um, and I certainly saw that because I was trying, at least, to follow the teachings that I was hearing, where a lot of the other kids around me were not. But struggling with that doctrine and not having an answer sort of led me to believe one thing, right? To believe I'm following God or whatever, and then slowly drift away. A so, backslidden Christian. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so what happened was, if we just fast forward... I married my wife. We moved to we moved from Fort Smith to Fayetteville, and about a year after we were married, due to multiple things going on in our lives, I realized I've been married for a year now. I need to act a little bit more like an adult and start addressing certain things. And I started reflecting on my belief in God, and I was just trying to be honest with myself. Were you still going to Baptist services at the time? Not or? Baptist. We were we uh, were going to a. They have a generic term to call them Bible churches. Um, they don't follow like Baptist or Methodist. Like non, yeah, yeah, non-denominational. non-denominational. Sure, yeah. sure. They called it a Bible, but it's the exact same thing. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard of those, and I've, I went to non-denominational church till I was eight. Oh, uh, right. And then went to uh, a Pentecostal church, but it was way more assembly. God, bro, I played not actually the guitar. I played in the church band is in my office. But the bass I played in the church band is right over there. Cool. Yeah, like back when I was in like 10th grade. I'm doom, 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 doom. Nice. Yeah. So um, I started reflecting <clears throat> and I said, I need to either, I need to dive back into that issue again because I want to either, I want to stop telling myself I believe in God but not living like it, right? That's what I came to the conclusion. So I need to dive into this doctrinal issue. I needed to decide Whatever I believe, and if I really want to say I'm a believer of God and want to follow God, I need to change all my life and, and go forward that, or I need to go the other path. I was tired of like, 
in my head saying I was something and not being that, right? Yeah. So, like which religion or anything, mm. I think that that's a, I think that's an innately human struggle that like we just, if you're not real with yourself or if you're fighting an inner battle, like that's going to come out. So sure. like, it's like, that's not even that much of a, a religious problem for me as much as it is like, we should all, we, we should all be reflecting on our spirituality like that. And in, in my turn, in, in, in however we have to do that, if it's some people, they really get, I know people here uh, that I'm close with and they really get satisfied by the process of going to church and just receiving, you know, and worshiping and stuff like that. And to me, that's like strange concepts anymore, but it's only, I mean, I don't know. I've got my flaw. I got a background in philosophy, got a minor in philosophy, went to church for 19 years, 20 years, and have really gone down a lot of rabbit holes with that stuff. Mm. Some stuff, I heard you talking about the Assyrians a while back. <laughs> I, I like the Assyrians, but I don't like them. Uh, I actually have a podcast on them called History's Cruelest People, right? It's kind of a, a non-xenophobic term mm-hmm. to be politically correct. There's a, the cult that I attended has a, has a, quite a bit of literature on that as well. Yeah. The, see, that's, um, but that's, you know, in Civ One, like I got a whole unit on the Assyrians. Like it's the second test. I go into the Hebrews, Philistines, Phoenicians, uh, Assyrians, and Persians. So kind of that whole like uh, Exodus through Book of Daniel in the Old Testament is where and and into Samuel and stuff. Does Daniel come before? I can't even remember anymore. But it's I always go back to that stuff every time I teach about it because it's not favorable or balanced for me to not tell the Hebrew side of the siege of Jerusalem, the Assyrian side of the siege of Jerusalem, and the Egyptian side of the siege of Jerusalem, which all three differ. Which, like, that's what you mentioned, like, this, we have this version, and it's actually the true one. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, and the Don't discouragement, I, I will say, I've never really been too discouraged by people for looking at other information, but I know in some, uh, like in, for example, and I have a good friend that's a Scientologist, I heard that on the podcast, and I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, like, this dude is is my bro. Like, I love this guy, right? He's been on the podcast. We just didn't talk about Scientology. But um, it's like, I think, based off what I've heard, but also, like, why it's kind of like, first question is like, hey, is this a cult? Because I know it's kind of um, holds the belief of this, like, Seventh-day. Was it Seventh-day Adventist? Is that the? No, no? Okay. that's where a lot of people make comparisons because of the Sabbath, so, um, you know, Seventh-day Adventists, they, they keep the Sabbath, and they're one of the largest groups that do. Did, these, did this Bible church you were part of uh, observe that tenant? No. Because no. I know, I mean, I have some friends even that are, that are Sabbath keepers, right? And I know that's a tenant that um, is a part of Judaism. And so it's not just, uh, but then too, so like you get into... Um, what got me interested on this Waco thing was looking into the beliefs of David Koresh, right? The guy, and the, he changed his name to that, like, but the Branch Davidians and them being kind of a spinoff of the Seventh-day Adventist and they hold. So that's one thing I wanted to kind of yes. assess is like, so you could really say then that does, in my mind, sociologically, just in definition terms, put it back in the cold realm. Because Seventh-day Adventist, even though they came around, I think if my dating is correct in 1850 uh, in the United States, this would have been a uh, 
post second great awakening. They had two early prophets. One guy had this big vision and prediction didn't happen. And then they had a female. Yes. Which Alan G. White. I, yeah. Which I thought was fascinating. And went next time I get into teaching about reform and stuff, because what I did think was interesting is that the, 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 the organization Seventh-day Adventist started off very meager like that with just a few dozen and then a few hundred members, but now they have like 700 institutions. Oh, yes. So if you get to that big, you're going to have uh, schisms and spinoffs like what we see at the Branch Davidians. We had a ton in the cult that I was in. I can tell you about that. Yeah, which that, I was thinking about this too. Like I saw this when I was in church growing up. Mm -hmm. Like people, they go to different churches. Mm -hmm. Like, so I wonder how much of that is kind of like a uh, human nature of like, People being people and seeing people and being people. Yeah, I've I've known people that have moved churches just because they didn't like somebody in the you know in the church. Seen or, it countless times. Yeah, I mean, literally, I can't tell you how many it's times. Petty stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that would have been over. I mean, dozens of times over a ten year period. Mm -hmm. Like literally, the church split a oh, couple yes. of times. And I, I, I've seen that as a reoccurrent theme. But um, I was just thinking about that the other day because my parents said they were going to a different church, and I was like. Damn, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, you know, it's it, it, which was kind of weird for me to see because I like two churches my whole childhood, you know, and I felt like leaving the first church even though I was eight. I was like, <laughs> wow. yeah, I get it. You know, I, I get why we're doing that. You know, it was just, uh, and then the one we went to, like, it was kind of like, hey, can we leave this one too? Because uh, it's kind of same stuff going on here, mm -hmm. you know. But. Uh, a friend of mine, Jesse Weiss, he was on the podcast. Uh, just recently, we broke down his documentary, Natty Parks. It's a film documentary on his iPhone of going to all these national parks, Carlsbad. But he's, he has this example, and this is from sociology. You go, cult, sect, religion. Right, but think about that. Like I've been thinking about that being in the going an opposite way. So yes, like, exactly, that's what I was thinking. Right, so religion, sect, cult. When you when you think about like, cause I'm like, cause that's why I wanted to clarify the cult idea is cause when I think seventh day Adventist and when I was researching, it was like Protestant, it was basically saying a sect of Protestant Christianity, mm -hmm. which is like a, a part of the overall religion. And then it was like, they differ from Baptist on these tenets. They differ from here on these tenets, but really, I mean, as, like any podcast I do, it gets me going, I'm like, Oh, what are we going to talk about? But so did did this church you became involved with? Not to skip ahead, but mm -hmm. um, did they have like an official title, or yeah, was it the, what it's called? Yeah, the yeah. name is called the Restored Church of God, and it's a splinter. What happened was um, where it really started was with a man called Herbert W. Armstrong in the twenties, thirties, and it started with the Radio Church of God. But what it became, that's the most popular name when it grew its biggest it was called the worldwide church of god they had something i think in the neighborhood of like eighty thousand members worldwide might have been more than that it, it was, blew my mind the number of seventh day Adventists there are worldwide oh there's like 14 million oh, or yeah, something like that uh, it might have been yeah. more like two hundred thousand worldwide but regardless it's not close to seven day Adventists. and that was when it was worldwide and then when herbert w armstrong died it splintered off into literally thousands of groups Wow. Most of them are tiny. There's a few large ones. Okay. Uh, large being like ten to 15,000. 
Did you see the splinter? Like, I don't know 100% about the Branch Davidians, mm-hmm. like what their key schism was other than that guy's like, <clears throat> I got the I got the interpretation here. And that fascinated some people mm-hmm. that he that his his interpretation of the seven seals and stuff. But that's something I got to learn more about, because I'm like, why did they kind of schism off away from Seventh Day Adventist is, mm-hmm. is my interest. Um, Probably prophecy. He saw some new things that they weren't doing right. And Seventh Day Adventist, that's how most of these splinters are. They see things that this group isn't keeping that we should keep. Which uh, so it, it almost just seems to me like, are you familiar with Sam Harris? I've heard the name. I've seen him briefly on a podcast. He's been on Joe's several yes. times. He's a um, philosopher. He's a philosopher, but he's also an atheist. He debated Jordan Peterson in a series of debates mm. across the UK, which is really good to listen to. Yeah, but it's interesting because Jordan Peterson isn't a, I mean, he, he says he's religious, but he's not actually like a belief in God, like Jesus Christ, I don't believe, right? Or do I think he does. I think he is, I think he is a, a, more of a Protestant-leaning Christian, mm. but um, he was he was arguing against atheism mm. with Sam Harris, but they hit a whole, they were actually more getting into the concept of moral relativism, right? Like whether or not truth is subjective mm. or morals are subjective mm. and things like that, which I thought was fascinating, but... Sam Harris did this thing where, and you can see a visual graphic, and it's like a long, like imagine like this rectangle here. And it's like all the books of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And mm-hmm. then it's like, like you said this, like when we first met, you were like, well, and you mentioned this thing, and you're like, well, I started noticing these differences in interpretation. This David Koresh dude had memorized the whole Bible by the time he was like 15 years old, 14 years old or something. But Sam Harris has got to get this big coalition of people to do what you said. You see here in the book of Second Samuel, you see here in the book of John, mm-hmm. those directly contradict each other. But the number of lines that I've that dude that came up with, that Sam Harris came uh, up with yes. that, right? Or he put together the project and the people and he was the, the brainchild behind it. That blew me away. Because, I mean, you know, and then you know there's going to be differences between the Old and New Testament. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Sure. I'm like, uh, like when I first like really pieced it together, I'm like, how did the Jews feel about this, that you guys are using this? Like, you know, and, but then he also does Old Testament, Old Testament contradictions, New Testament to New Testament contradictions across, which I have not gone that deep at all. So it's fascinating for me to talk. Only thing I've done is like gone through the Gospels just because Life of Jesus type stuff mm-hmm. for my class, like, which I think like the... Um, the different hypotheses on, okay, well, there's this other document we don't know about out there. The Q, I think it's called the cube hypothesis. Have you heard about that? Not that hypothesis. There's like, I think it's without my notes, but the book of Mark is, has all of these verses in it that aren't in any of the other gospels. Oh, yes. But all the other gospels share. Yes. Almost like some of, some instances, 600 of the same verses. Exactly. Yes. But then it's like, so where did that, where's that source material? Mm-hmm. That's a, some German um, scholar was like, there's another document and we lost it. Mm. Or someone has it, the Vatican has, or, or whatever, somebody has it, but we don't. And this is how this book was constructed off this source material and these other gospels or vice versa, right? They, so I'm like, oh man. But that stuff fascinates me, right? I like going through that. I love that's history. It's history, right? Um, but uh, 
anyway, so continue. What 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 were we? Uh, I got kind of sad. No, that's there. great. No, um, do you want me to go? I guess how I got into the to the restored church. Yeah. Of okay. So yeah, yeah. So you said you had you had moved. You're going through this kind of inner. Yeah. You're going through what we all go through, dude. You're asking that question. Yes. The inherent one that we all have, like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? What? Why am I here? Do yeah. I have a purpose? And that's natural. So that's where you're at. You're married. You yes. you moved to Fayetteville. Yep. All right. <clears throat> so it's not too much longer from there how I got into the to the Restored Church of God, the cult. Um, I would just call it RCG from now on because that's what they called it for the longest time until they finally said, no, we don't want to go by abbreviations anymore. Anyway. Um, so I started studying Once Saved, Always Saved Again. And I came upon a website that was very poorly written, but I decided to read it anyway. And it had a bunch of prophecy stuff on it that I was like, uh. but what was interesting was it didn't have a link to any affiliation whatsoever. There was not an about page, nothing. It was just a website that had doctrines. That's it. So I saw something about the Sabbath. And at that time, I hadn't studied the Bible that much, but I was starting to. And I was like, I didn't know what the Sabbath was. I didn't even know what that word really? was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, let me read this. And even though it looked like a crazy web page and everything, I opened my Bible and I read what it was saying. And I read my Bible and I studied some more and I read some other websites. And I was like, it convinced me. It convinced me that I was if I was going to be a Christian, I need to keep the Sabbath. And I was like, this is crazy. So I showed my wife and she said, wow. And then she thought she had some objections. She went to some stuff in the New Testament, and I showed her that it doesn't really say what people had told her it said, mm -hmm. um, specifically Paul talking about there's there remains a Sabbath rest. That's where a lot of stuff gets twisted. But anyhow, um, I read some more since I got hooked on the Sabbath from that website. I was like, who who is this? Who puts this here? So I read some of the prophecy stuff they have, which I wasn't really buying. But I read enough to figure out that it was very likely a Seventh-day Adventist propaganda. Like somebody put it out there particularly to do just what I did. If you get hooked enough, you'll read enough, you'll search mm. enough, and you'll say who has these doctrines, and you'll find who. So yeah. I can't say 100%, but I'm like 99% sure it was probably a Seventh-day Adventist person who put that website up. So I looked into them, and just like you said, thankfully, I very quickly stumbled upon Ellen G. White, who is – big in seven day Adventist, mm -hmm. and and she's been proven multiple times you know she's long gone but she had many false prophecies so that right there turned me off of seven day Adventists. okay <clears throat> so in the big controversy i forget his name because i just was exposed to it for the first time today uh the guy that was the prophet before her the kind I, of the founder he had a f one failed prophecy and they were like we're done with you, dude. Mm. Like it really fragmented, <clears throat> but I, I didn't, um, I didn't get into, I read a little bit about her, but not into any of her, like, uh, like they really turned on her because of that, you know? But, um, so when you say Sabbath mm -hmm. for people that like, I, I know some people that keep the Sabbath and I know about it. And then too, I'm all conflicted about it too. Cause I'm like, the argument is, it is on Saturday or Sunday, right? Amongst these groups were talking about, and I guess you could say mainstream Protestant Christianity. Right. I would, I've always wondered, it's like, wouldn't it be on a different day every year? Well, this, the seven day week cycle 
you know, you got seven days a week. Does that ever really change? I mean, th- no, the days of the week don't, which are named after pagan deeds. Exactly. <laughs> that was a big problem we had when we were in the cult. And they were just like, we just had to accept it, even though we were against everything like that. Yeah, man. I remember when I found all that out, I was like. Yeah, it was shocking. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like uh, so many people don't know that stuff. Like, I've gone down that rabbit hole on like Easter, Christmas trees, like all of the, I mean, you could just call it pagan symbolism. It would be the best way to describe it for me. But then like what you're saying with this, with like, okay, maybe this was a Seventh-day Adventist fishing and Protestant Christianity Mm -hmm. for new members. Mm -hmm. As I understand it, a lot of our religious symbolism and holidays and things you see like that were an effort of Protestant Christianity to bring in non-believers. Sure, yeah. Catholics were famous for that, right? They took in so many different religions and adopted their practices, and that's why they have all these two evangelical Christians, the the Catholics' rites and all that kind of stuff looks Mm. very foreign because it's it's merged with a lot of paganism. Yeah. And and why I guess if you don't do the things that and you you know you've you've gone down you you have more empirical experience than I do here like literally like I I'm in passing now I did go to school for not or go to church for 19 years um, and was very involved right like I'm talking like every is funny core the other day was like what was it like going to Sunday night church? Cause that's like where we met was in yeah. church. I was like, it sucked. Yep. Nobody came cause she never came. And I was like, but I was there every time. Yep. Yep. But dude, that's been, you, we established you're 32, I'm 33, but dude, 19 to 33. And then me, like, I mean, dude, I just picked up a Bible for the first time in several years mm-hmm. last year and actually started like approaching it like a scholar. Okay. I'm like, because like I said, like if I'm telling a story in my history class that's in my book and that story exists in the Bible, I'm going to go tell that story. And then I'm going to say, you see how this story, the siege of Jerusalem is three different things. Like, what do you guys think about that? Like that's, that's how you do history, you know? And they can think whatever they want about it. I don't care. I don't, I'm not there to tell them what to think. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, that's where I'm, I'm getting more and I rely on talking to people more so than like, I'm going to go figure, I'm going to go read the answer to this or like, I am going to, I've been fascinated with this stuff because some of the greatest people I know, I will say are Sabbath observers, right? Like one of the nicest dudes I know in my whole life he has that belief and I don't know a whole lot about his church. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them cultish again. That's why I want to establish like, cause I know like a dude, even that show Waco makes me like those people. Right. But then you get into like unwinding all the cinema and stuff. It's like, dude, did you, did you have sex with that 14 year old girl? And you have like a, a dozen kids and you're trying to get to 24 mm-hmm. so you can, so they can be these judges. Like uh, wild, yeah. I'm like, this dude's a great actor, and I like his character, but whoa! And like, I listened to the original, like that 50 minute recording he put out, talking about his interpretation of Seven Seals on national television. Oh, sure, okay, right. But so, like, then, like, my conclusion though is that those Branch Davidians, they were a cult, man. They lived in a compound. Mm. They had some wild beliefs, right? What were things about uh, the what you said uh, RDC? 
Uh, RCG. RCG. Restored, restored Church of God. And it's called that because they, when the, when the worldwide, worldwide Church of God split up, they were saying they were restoring the teachings that the Worldwide Church of God held up. Okay. Because most of the other, what I've been told, and I've, I've looked into some of the other splinters, but I can't say this holds true for all of them because there's literally like thousands. But most of the bigger ones, they tweaked a few tweets, teachings here and there and said, no, we don't do this, no, we don't. Some of them changed a lot of teachings. So that was the whole idea behind the Restored Church of God was they're holding fast to the truth that was taught through the Worldwide Church of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their, their view is better than their view. Exactly. So you've, you found this blog. You're talking with your wife about it. What happens next? Like, at what point do you decide, uh, do you reach out to these people? How do you get involved? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, one thing I'd like to say about the Savage, just real quick. Yeah, sorry. Um, we, yeah. No, no, I would like to. I would, yeah, I would, clarify, man. Educate. Um, I don't think the people that say Sundays on the Sabbath have a leg to stand on. Now, I don't keep it anymore or anything like that. Yeah, I, yeah. And I don't care what day you keep it on. But if you're going off of a biblical basis. I, I agree. There's, Based off there's what not I've... a leg to stand on. There's so many proofs that it's Saturday. I mean, numerous. And I mean, I can give you some weak ones and then we could talk forever and get you the nitty gritty. But I mean, just like one basic one that isn't approved by itself, but it's pretty awesome because you, you love history and stuff like that. Like how many languages is there a word for Saturday that sounds or spelled very similar to Sabbath, right? Like the spellings in numerous languages are very similar to Saturday. Now, again, that's not a proof by That's itself, interesting. But that's one of like the icings on the cake. When you go through the deeper ones, straight looking at the Bible itself, and then you throw that on top, it's like, whoa, because there's like 130 years. It's, it's crazy. Where, where I'm like, I was talking with my a Jewish black belt friend of mine who mm-hmm. came enrolled with me yesterday. And I want, like, I know about the lunar calendar and the Julian solar Egyptian calendar. Mm-hmm. And I know the days and the differences in the months and the crossover, but like, I want to do some deeper looking at that. Right. Because like what changed when we switch it over? Like I know that first year was like 448 days, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, but it's like, what other sort of changeovers were there? But uh, yeah, that's um, linguistically, that's a great point. Like f- the word father that's a damn near same sounding word in like every language. And I, I had a historian break that down for me. I was like, that's a great uh, rabbit hole to pursue if mm-hmm. you're looking at that's a way. And I, I actually hadn't gone down that. I hadn't heard that before on mm-hmm. the Sabbath. I'd have to. Again, I wouldn't use that to convince somebody, but it's just a neat one that I thought you would like. Yeah. yeah. Historian. Um, so just to finish the, the quick story, how I got in. Um, so I was convincing you to keep the Sabbath. Uh, I quickly found seven-day Adventism was not right, so I was left to find who keeps the Sabbath because I was convinced from the Bible, reading the Bible myself, not just from somebody saying you should keep it. I was reading the verses myself. It took a long time because you got to piece together a lot of things. Yes. And, you got, and I also went through some proofs like why we don't keep the Sabbath anymore and proved that those were wrong as well. I didn't just jump into it because somebody said, oh, we should keep the... What, is, uh, what are some of the arguments of why... Sundays today at all Christians pretty much Sunday they don't have anything to stand okay so the two most common ones are it's really thin and the problem is I gotta be straight with you a lot of people don't really read the Bible they go to church people don't read books period exactly and they listen to what their pastor says and they might 
read the Bible in passing, but they're not actually studying it and trying to remember as like they're studying one chapter or, or they're studying a couple of verses, right? Very few people go through the whole Bible, take notes and go back through it again and again and again. And that's what you really have to do to get even the, a scratch of the surface. Because as you've seen, like the hypertext documents, there's so many verses in the New Testament that actually are direct references to Old Testament verses. There's a crazy picture like you were talking about that showed the errors between the two. There's another one that shows a Con hyperlink. Continuity. Yeah. So anyway, back to your question. Um, so the one that they use that probably a lot of people don't even realize that they're using is in the New Testament, after Christ dies, um, they meet, uh, the disciples meet behind closed doors. They're trying to hide from the, the Jews, you know, um, trying to kill them. And it just happens to mention in passing that they met on a Sunday. But it wasn't even that they were having a religious meeting. They just met together to break bread. That's what it talks about. And it just says that they met on Sunday. Day. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really one of the only things in the Bible at all that they can even point to, which again, isn't proof whatsoever, but that's the only thing they stand on. The real reason that we that everybody keeps it is because the Roman Catholic Church changed it. The Roman Catholic Church changed it to Sunday, and you know, pretty much all of current- But isn't Peter the first Pope? <laughs> that's what they say, but there's actually- um, I said that to my dad one time, he about lost his mind on yeah. me. I was like, hey, we'll calm down, I was making a Jesus joke, man. There, there was multiple Peters, and there's an argument, you know, that it wasn't the Peter- Yeah, I've heard that. In the New Testament, I mean, but I don't wait, I mean, I've, I've read into that, but at some point I don't wade into those waters too much, you know, because when you dig into texts that are lost and things like that, a lot of stuff starts to get blurred. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's a whole the historiography of the Bible. Like that's what we'd say in my field, like the history of the history. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we're like and I know someone that has done this legwork and I've talked with her briefly about it. Um she's a therapist, but she's done the scholarship on like this is when this portion came together, then there was this period of time, and then these people worked on this portion and She's done some of that about the history of the history of how the Bible came together, mm -hmm. right? Which I haven't gone that far, honestly. Really, honestly, from the fall, like Nicene Creed to the f fall of the Roman Empire area all the way through the Middle Ages, I'm suck on that, dude. Once we get to the Renaissance, Scientific Revolution, Reformation, the Enlightenment, I got you. We can get back on point, but like, man... The emergence of the early monarchies and stuff—that's a place where I'm like enriching my, uh, my. I am gaining understanding there right now. But it's like what you're saying with, well, you just want me to know the whole history of the world now. All right, I hey, dude, I'm 33. I've been, <laughs> I've been really trying. But man, yeah. Middle Ages, medieval world, whatever is a taxing time period for me. I'm just like, I hear you. Uh, Everybody's got their interests. Yeah. Yeah, and it is, it. you know, I've got to enough point to where that's like literally like the middle void of my knowledge on everything that's available time period wise. And I even had a class on it in college, right? But, and I found a, a paper I wrote on Henry VIII in that class and I was like, I don't even remember writing that. <laughs> don't even remember. It's amazing how the brain works, huh? Yeah. Because I, I, when I went to college the first time, like in 2007, I took Calculus One, and I did extremely well, not bragging, but... I did extremely well. I made like a hundred on the final. I haven't used it since, and I plan to go back over it. But I couldn't do a lick of it right now. Logic's like that for me. It logic changed. I think 
maybe something neurological. Like now, I think after having gone through the class logic, I think in more patterns, uh, organizing information and groups differently and like mm-hmm. maybe logic just taught me how to do that. I don't know. But like trying to solve informal proofs of validity now. We're like a goldfish sometimes, too. That's what's frustrating. Like you're saying, like, I could read a chapter of the Bible and then, like, immediately not be able to take And I would say also, though, if I listened to it, I would have a higher retention rate personally. That's that's neat how some people learn differently like that. Yeah. It really is because I'm I'm a little – depends. If if it's not very technical, then I learn very well like you through audio. But if it's technical stuff, I definitely do better reading. Yeah, yeah. Much yeah. better. See, if it's technical, I do well with uh, like a mix. Like if I can read and like building Legos, dude, I got I got all the Harry Potter Lego sets. Mm-hmm. They're not in here yet. Some of them are. That's awesome. Uh, they're just not in inside. I got the, the bus over there, the night bus. But uh, I got the whole castle, dude. I'm going to put it right here. When yeah. I get done, it's 37 packages. Has it like, got the, the dungeon, the basement, the bottom? Dude, or? it has. Well, I don't know. I don't know what all is there. Isn't that it's where the just, monster it's is? It's huge. Yeah. Awesome. The, yeah. The, um, the Basilisk. I don't the know. The Basilisk. Yes. Was, yeah. Though. See, I haven't even read the books. I only watched the movies. The, I haven't read the books either. The movies are so good. I've heard the, I've heard the books are fantastic. Yeah. Cora, um, she's read all of them, dude. She, I bought her all of them for like Christmas or birthday one year. But uh, I, I need to, that's like, I always have some fiction or fantasy or something going, like a book, a title, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go through those. I'm definitely going to go through those uh, because, dude, I, I, I freaking love those movies. By the time you get to like the third movie, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm a Potterhead. Oh, that's awesome. But like putting Legos together, kinesthetic, I got a visual. I'm like, well, that's actually, I guess, like I'm not reading though. It's, it's like those martial arts books over there. They're picture books. Yeah. <laughs> I joke with people. I'm like, yeah, those are picture books. Don't That's like great. Them. Yeah. But I am way more that, but, um, reading is I, my retention's It's always been kind of poor. I don't know if that's just my strength or weakness or what, but, um, I'm, if I can do hands on with any other learning, whether I'm reading an instruction book to hang something on the wall, like a TV mounting bracket or something, that's fine like technical writing stuff, but oh man, like breaking down the Bible is a chore. Oh yeah, it is. Especially cause I'm a slow reader. I, my retention is pretty good when I read, but I'm a, I'm a slow reader. Do you know how many like pages you do an hour or anything I, like that? I did it one time and I've gotten faster since then, but it was, it was low. I mean, I, my wife reads much faster than I do now. I have higher retention than she does for sure, but her retention is not bad. So, you know, it's one of those averages things. It's like, what are you studying? You know, I've read into some techniques that you can do to become a faster reader and I've practiced a little bit of them, but to me, it takes so much work right, right now in life. I don't have time to apply the, that work cause I'm still studying new things right now. So I'm just keeping the pace I'm at and I'm happy with it. It just takes me probably a little bit longer than the average person, but I have a pretty great knowledge when I get done reading. That's great. Like i David Goggins, I heard him talk about this, and I don't know if I have what he's got going on to an extreme, but he's like, yeah, I didn't didn't understand it when I read it, so then I had to read it and highlight it while I read it. Mm-hmm. So I've heard some people, I had this kid in one of my classes that was autistic, and he was talking, that he told me, but he was super high-functioning. Like, he made an A in all my classes. Wow. And he was like, I listen and read at the same time. 
Yeah. He was saying he listens to audiobook and reads the physical text. That's I, fantastic. I've, I've used that too before. Yeah. It really is a great way to do it. I don't do it for everything, but especially things that you're having trouble understanding. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's what a, a doctor told me one time I was meeting with him and he, he said to get through medical school, he, he said he probably had ADHD before it was really diagnosed as a very old, old elderly doctor. And he said, I was like, that's fantastic. You found this out. But what, what he did to get through medical school, because he would, he would read into a tape recorder, the, li- the literature, whatever he needs mm-hmm. to study. And then he would listen to it Himself. while he's reading it again. Wow. Yeah, and then he would also, you know, listen to it when he's driving about or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, li- hearing something and seeing it on the page is a fantastic way to get into your brain. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's like I have a little process where I like I'll read it and I underline while I'm reading it, and I I will go back over key parts after I'm all said and done. But then I take I take it from there to notes, mm-hmm. right? And then once I once I do the notes, I either uh, a lot of times I will write the notes while I'm doing this and then type them. Yes. So like I work with the same information, and by the time I get it to the fourth mode, there it's heavily paraphrased into my own words as well, because that's a process I had to come up with to take it from the book that I was reading for my thesis or whatever to get it to where it's like, okay, this is what I assessed here, not what they said. You get plagiarism if you don't do that. Well, yeah, I I mean, you've probably heard too, there's many studies that say that the physical handwriting of things really makes it stick better in your brain. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that too. I don't hardly do it anymore, but the best retention I've had on anything ever is when I hand wrote a bunch of flashcards. And of course I went back through the flashcards, but I know from many things I've done since the actual physical writing of those flashcards was the single best thing for my brain. And then what I do now though, cause I don't have quite the time to do that. And I find it's just as effective is um, it's a combination. So I, I type digital flashcards, which is not the same as handwriting, mm. but um, have you ever heard of uh, space repetition learning? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very popular for medical students and the other big category of people is uh, language learners. So there's a few different apps out there you can use, but the most popular one is called, I don't know how to pronounce it. I call it An- Anki, but I think it might be said Anki. It's A-N-K-I. It's free, open source. Mm-hmm. And I could say it being Anki. Anki, yeah. Like Ankh is the symbol of life and uh, like the cross oh, with the that's thing exactly at the what top. Yeah. You're right, because I've seen that symbol somewhere on the on their page. But it's free and it's a flashcard app, but the, 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 the magic behind it is it has a space repetition learning algorithm. So you do your flashcards and you say whether you got it right or not. You know, it's an mm-hmm. honesty system. But then it feeds you back based on a timeline, the ones you get wrong, and you're supposed to hit that like every day. You're supposed to go through your flashcards. And it, it's been mm. proven that space repetition is like the best way to learn, period, for retention. I've seen anatomy students use that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's why like when these textbook people come by my office and they're like, look, we got this website that does everything for you. Look, the quiz is already there. And I'm like, mm. I don't know if that's going to help them. Mm-hmm. Right, like this is the way they have it set up. It's way, way more dumbed down than what we're talking about. But man, you got to get creative if yes. you're going to retain information. Because man, I've like the number of things that I've written down and then forgot I re- wrote them down, then wrote them down again, 
and then found that I'd already <laughs> done that in a document, like like with martial That's arts nice. techniques and stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, dude, this new boxing combination. And then I find that it's like, okay, 18 months ago, I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I was doing it 18 months ago. Yep. Yep. Right. I found it, that in my OneNote before. Uh, I, I keep everything in OneNote. And most of the time, I search first to check. But a few times, I've started writing stuff out, and then when I got halfway done, I just have a vague recollection that I did this before, and then I just do control E, search. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I got a whole page written out already. I'm like, oh, man. Same thing. Yeah, which, you know, that's our imperfect minds, I guess. Yes, yes. Uh, some people, I, I think, maybe aren't as afflicted with this, but um, I think I feel like, dude, look at yourself. I don't look as good as you, but I feel like we're too smart dudes, you know? So it's like, I mean, the college professor, I don't know what you're into. What do you do for a job? Okay, so um, I'm actually, currently I work as an inventory controller for a logistics company, but I'm actually going back to school. I have a year left. I'm uh, getting a bachelor's in computer science. Oh, great. Yeah, I have one year left, and uh, uh I wish I could have done it a lot sooner because I've always been fascinated with computers and I'm eating it up. I love it. Do you have kids? I have one little girl. She's 18 months. Wow. Yeah, I'm going, I work full time and I go to school full time. So my life is very, very you have a kid? I don't have a kid, but um, we're trying right now. That's awesome. Right. And you know, I know Ben. Good luck to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, bro. I've been talking. I was pissed off. I when I was moving the studio, I did a podcast with this newer dad. Mm-hmm. He his kid was I think four months old or something. I was I, dude. He said all the greatest stuff in the world. Like I was asking him some real focused questions about like first time, he, and it didn't. Re, it wasn't recording that part. And oh. I was like, oh, that's why I keep like looking at the camera because like I've gotten super paranoid because of the move. Because like I do all of this by myself. So like if there's a mistake, it all falls on me. Like I can't blame anybody. So it's um I've made I've made a couple of small mistakes, just like I was saying with bumping one of my switches mm-hmm. there. I moved all of this stuff from mm-hmm. my house studio that I had set up and swapping equipment out, changing settings on the computer I'm using because yeah. I got a new Mac for the studio. Um, but it's it's been a kind of a challenge getting my logistics because I took a step. Up. This is like the graduate school version of the podcast. I was joking earlier. Oh, nice. Right? I'm like, I'm in graduate school now. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm still not making any money. This is professional. Right. But uh, but I was like, it's not, you know, it's not just what everybody can go do. Right. But and you enjoy uh, it, right? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. And that's like, well, like what you're saying is like after I've thought about that a lot is um, when we do. I have a kid, I'm not at school, but I teach and I'm fortunately starting to teach more online. And that's going to be a big change. It frees up 12 hours a week of my time. That's great. That's huge. That's what I'm doing right now is online schooling. Yeah. I couldn't do it without it. There's no way. Yeah. What What do you think about this coming semester? Um, How, were you going to UFIS or what? No, no, because UFIS doesn't have hardly anything in the way of uh, online learning. And it's not the year 2020. Yeah, exactly. And what's shocking is the U of A doesn't even have – they have a very few things, but no no computer science, nothing mm-hmm. like that. Um, Colorado, Colorado State University is where I'm attending. Oh, great. There's a few different online schools that have a computer science program, and uh, Colorado State came highly recommended. It was funny because when I first started attending, they didn't have computer science. Uh, I started attending like March last year and the fall. So in July, they started the very first session of their computer science program. And I immediately jumped. I was on like a uh, management information system track. Mm -hmm. 
because that's really the only thing I could find. Um, the other school I was looking at to go to for computer science just didn't jive with me. Um, so it really worked out in my favor. You, do you ever have to physically go to the university? Never. Oh, that's great, dude. Yeah. Like they, here's tech the other day was like, we're going to do an online degree in this and this now go tell your professors. Right. Like us, uh, we're way behind the curve in community college. Right. But mm -hmm. it's like what you said, like U of A, like there's so many people. I don't know if it's just the South or what, but it's just behind the times. And it's, it's kind of remarkable. I just went through a, I had to go through a class to teach online and it was like this cookie cutter educational technology class that, I literally took nothing away from, but I spent probably 40 hours doing it. Mm -hmm. And I, I was blew my mind, but yeah, compute. That's what a great thing to be getting involved in. Cause especially right now in education, it's like all the professors that could not transition effectively to teaching online are freaking out right now. And yeah. I'm like, I'll be in my studio. If you need me, that's give awesome. me a call. That's great. Uh, that's uh, great. Yeah. So that's great. You're already in the online mode because anybody that's taking face to face is freaking out right now because they they taking face to face. They want to be online. Our university offers some online, but they make people come take the final in person. I can understand that, but I mean that, like you're saying, I think what you're alluding to is that limits your geographic range, right? I mean, that's that's sort of yeah, and. There's all kinds of ways around that. They can do proctoring, you know, you get because there's there's sites all over the US if you if you really want to be really strict. Like I think I'm not certain, but I think probably my capstone class I'll probably have to go get proctored for an exam. Mm. But I know you, some schools you don't even have to go to a physical building, you know, in your state or whatever. Some of them uh, you we buy a webcam or something yeah. like that and someone actually proctors you over the webcam while you're taking the exam in your own house. Have you heard of Respondus? No. It's a lockdown browser, but now they've... Lockdown? It's, a, it's like a, the name of a software, like OneNote or something. You know? Okay, okay. So it's, like, it's called Respondus Lockdown Browser. So you, you download it and you go to it and you log into Blackboard or whatever oh, okay, software okay. is and then you go find your test. And when you start the test, you cannot click anything else on the computer, right? Or like you, I don't know. I don't even. That's, that's the lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it fails you or what, but like you can't. Yeah. Or you got to wait till the time expires or you hit special keys to get out. I don't know. I'm not a student anymore. Mm -hmm. And I honestly don't require my students to use that. Right. But now they've stepped it up to where like it's webcamming you and it knows if you like, look sideways or if there's somebody else sitting beside you, it flags all that. So the, the physical need of a human being to proctor it with that software, you got to pay like a licensing every mm -hmm. semester to use that. So, well, the, the way that Colorado state university gets around it, and I assume a lot of other online schools do, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like a lot of the tests you're talking about, the finals would be like multiple choice or like fill in the blank type mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we don't do anything like that. Um, we, we have, we do every week we have quizzes, but they're, that are multiple choice, but they're very low points. So all your points come from essays or, um, in computer science, it can be a combination of like a well-written essay and mm -hmm. computer code that you have to write. So, I mean, it's not really something you have to proctor somebody on, you know, it takes a long time uh, to write an essay and you can check for plagiarism. It's incredible how good 
plagiarism checking is now. I yeah. mean, because they pull in from all kinds of databases and I can see the results when I turn mine in. They, they recommend that I, I check it myself before like I write a draft, I submit it as a draft and check it because thankfully I, I, I've never had a problem, but some kids have found out that they turned something in and they didn't intentionally plagiarize whatsoever, but there's just so much stuff in the database. There was actually flag certain key. Yes. But I've seen lots of my stuff flag, but it has to be a certain percentage, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's usually like a little part of a sentence, but there's multiple of those. So everything that I turn in has like 20, 30, 40 flags, but it's, like two words, you know, so it's not plagiarism. Yeah, it's when you get sentences, Yeah, you know, words and a bunch of words in a row. Like yeah. uh, Tony Robbins, I don't be, he got hit for like 39 verbatim words in a oh, row. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Um, Tony and, Robbins, the uh, guru guy? Yeah. Huh. Oh, hello. That guy, he does the spirit fingers when he, he's on stage. Uh -huh. He does all this crazy shit, uh -huh. speaking of cults. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. That, let's go walk on some coals with him. Woo! Boy. Yeah, okay. uh, some of my friends are big time into him, and I've considered. You know, I've never read his stuff. Mm -hmm. I've watched that Netflix documentary, and I've done my research about him. I've read about him. I've heard. I've heard people talk about him. I mean, the dude's undoubtedly successful. I just think he's a sleazebag. Like I just can't. I, he annoys me. I want to punch him in the face. Hey, I, I wouldn't do you. that though. I, you're you're a chill guy. I know you wouldn't. Yeah. I joke around. I like. I'm. I, I was telling this guy earlier. We we're talking about police reform. I was like, capable of great violence. Never want to use any of it. Like ever. Yeah, you're a black belt in uh, jujitsu and judo, and woo. and it's like I I just don't because I was arguing that police should be training that. I've heard weekly. that. I've heard that argument. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, and uh, but yeah, so it's uh, that's uh, I would never want to get in a fight. That would suck. Yeah. I've been in sanctioned fights, MMA, kickboxing, mm -hmm. numerous jiu-jitsu matches. Uh, like, I don't even know how many. It's so many jiu-jitsu matches. Even the, uh, a judo, some judo matches, a judo tournament I did. But it's like, man, and that's against trained people, you know, and stuff. But it's Killers. Like, I would never, I would never want to use any of the stuff. That's not, that's not why. It's just like why if you have a gun near your bed. Mm-hmm. Like that is the last shit in my life I ever want to have to resort to. Oh, like, absolutely. oh, somebody just kicked in my bedroom door and I'm here sleeping in my bed. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll tell you, um, a police detective I know here in town uh, trained his whole family, his wife's parents in, it was up north and it was Michigan or Minnesota. I can't remember which. Yeah, there was a home invasion and her dad got killed. Oh. Off. Yeah, but uh, something happened where he like wounded the people that broke in. Mm -hmm. Um, and but they like beat up the mom too. Like, but it it ended up being like he died, she lived, but he had like wounded or killed some of the people that broke in. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, I you know you just that's the stuff. It's like that's why I train martial arts is because I think I can respond to that better. Absolutely, if it happens. But then too, then begs the question: It's like where cops are just like. Cops are always going to be better at their gun than martial, than hand-to-hand -hand and de-escalation techniques and mm -hmm. using words to calm people down instead of intimidation and stuff like that. So, And I get that. Um, just like I will always be less skillful with a gun, right? Like, I mean, I'm stereotypically, like, I've, I grew up hunting. 
but I do not shoot my handguns enough. Oh, I do not. Me neither. Like I've had two concealed permits. I just don't. Um, I just don't shoot enough, man. I've got a concealed permit too, and I I've never shoot. I mean, I've shot like twice since I got it, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah, I'm I'm not a very good marksman either. Yeah. I, I'm decent with a rifle, but with a pistol, I am awful. Yeah, I'm just wishful hope. I also have a machete under my bed. <laughs> I've like trained with way more. It's like an SOG. Yeah, but like I've done like a hundred hours of Filipino stick fighting and stuff. Like Ooh. I've got a bunch of stick, even stick and that. stick and knife work. Right, like it's basically billy club length sticks, but they're made out of this. It's like a bamboo. It's super People hard. People fight each other with the sticks. Yeah, like yeah, a, you you Magellan, you know Magellan, you know the guy explorer. Yeah, they he got killed by some stick fighters on the beach oh my goodness yeah yeah so uh and two it's funny as i got this guy he's coming in he's actually he, i thought he was from the philippines he went to med school in the philippines he may live there but he's actually told me he's chinese but um spent a significant portion of his life in the philippines he trains me on thursdays right now he's 72 and he's an orthopedic surgeon Wow. And uh, he has all this background knowledge in filipino stuff he's been to- showing me this two sword kata like this double sword and there's like these shorter Filipino swords. And I'm like, this is probably what he knows the most of and is showing me the least of. He's showing me mostly Japanese marches, six degree judo bike belt. Six yeah. degree? Yeah, dude, here's another thing. He's a Wing Chun master. You know, I don't like, know Wing Chun like is. Bruce Lee, the wooden dummy. Oh, yeah. That's the, yeah. yeah. So I've got two uh, wooden dummies in there I can show you before. Uh, before we wrap up the podcast or after we wrap up the podcast, but it's um, Bruce Lee kind of made that art and he knows this kata he's taught me is like over hundred moves in three different styles. I was like, dude, they say he's on a whole other level. He can kill people with blades. He knows, he knows Aido, Kendo, like yeah. multiple sword styles. Like yeah. this dude's a martial arts master. And, uh, and then he, he'll even joke around. He's like, uh, He's like, what's the best way? Uh, so somebody's like, well, what's the best way to defend yourself? He's like, a gun. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, the fastest, yeah, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. But it's just like, I mean, particularly anymore, and it's been that way since like the 1600s, yeah. man, 1500s, middle 1500s, yeah. was when um, we really first started seeing uh, gunpowder used yeah. for invasions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Japan invaded Korea with gunpowder. So um, My dad always told me, though, you know, Whatever weapon you decide to pull out in a fight, you know, d- don't pull out any weapon that you don't want shoved up your ass. So you really got to know what you're doing, you know, because yeah, yeah. you never know who you're fighting. Yeah. I, um, I just got to, I got to do better on, on, we all do. Everybody that owns a gun should go practice shooting it. Yes. And I'm the world's worst, man. I got to, I got to get, it's a time equation for me partially, but we are going to go do, uh, uh, there's a guy here at the gym. Chief of Campus Police teaches concealed permits, mm-hmm. offers classes here at the gym, and we're gonna. He has a range. We're gonna go shoot at here one Saturday. He's nice. just gonna. If you want to come to the range, here's a you know bring this much ammo and ten bucks or something. Uh, we'll either go to his or there's there's another range we can go to in Pottsville. Um, but dude, I'm just like, and I hit him up about that because I'm like, dude, I need to go shoot. Like I'm sitting here, like going to sleep with my wife, who I love a lot. And what if something crazy happens, like that home yeah. invasion story from those people I know? Like shotgun. That, you just need a shotgun. I got a couple <laughs> single shots, yeah. New England firearms. Short one, right yeah. by your bed. You don't have to worry about aiming too much. I got a. I have a youth model single shot twenty gauge loaded with buckshot. There you go. Right. So 
and it won't go if you you know if you had slugs it might go through walls and hit somebody buckshot you're good yeah slugs are and yeah i will say i shot a, a deer with buckshot one time like four times and the motherfucker ran off uh. like knocked it down bled everywhere where it fell down and then ran down this hill and i never found it i was so upset it's awful Cora, have you met her? No. Yeah, no. she's probably just saying hey. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll introduce. I bet she just got here. I'll introduce y'all after we uh, uh, finish casting. Cool. So let's get back on our thread here. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where, where were we? We're so, talking about a bunch of great stuff, by the way. Sure. But, yeah, I would. I love to go all over the place. So yeah. Whatever you want to do. Um, back, uh, back to how I got in the cult. We're almost there, pretty much. But I'll say one more thing about the Sabbath. I don't want to keep hammering it because, uh, but. I don't even go to church and it's on Saturday. Okay. okay. Like, you know, that's how I joke with people yeah. about it. I'm like, you know, it's really like people say I'm going to church tomorrow. I'm like, you know, it's really the day. Right. Like I joke with people about yeah. it because I'm yeah. pretty convinced. So you can go whenever you want, but it's like, that was what was commanded was the Sabbath day, you know, but mm -hmm. back in Genesis, you know, there's seven days of creation, seventh days of rest, uh, six days of creation, seventh days of rest. But anyhow, um, the only thing I want to say that was, it's sort of funny is, a lot of evangelical Protestants, Christians, whatever you want to call them, um, they say that the Old Testament's like done away with, right? And they just follow the New Testament. I heard that. We don't even have to get into that. There's so many arguments against that. It's, it's wild. But anyway, the point is, even if you do go with that argument, right? And then you say, well, the, all the stuff in the Old Testament was done away with, which would be the Sabbath command, you know, although... In the New Testament, Paul does say there still remains a Sabbath rest. It is a little strange how he words it. So if you're really trying to stretch it, you might say it's like, um, it's not literal, it's figurative or something. But regardless of that, if you say we don't keep the Old Testament anymore, you say it's just the New Testament. Um, it's interesting that the same people will, will, if you ask them, well, do you believe in the Ten Commandments? And they'll say yes. Which is number four, right? Sabbath is number four. Okay. It's the only one they don't keep. But yet they'll say they believe in the Ten Commandments. They want the statues out in front of the, you know, in front of the courthouses, all that kind of stuff. But but they'll just we don't like that one. That one's too restrictive, you know. We're we're okay with not murdering people and not committing adultery, and we're okay with loving God with our all, all of our heart. But number four, you know, no. Well, and that's kind of the this white lady, right? Uh, Ellen G. White. Ellen G. White. That was like, she had some vision about the fourth commandment, right? That uh, like a light shining down on it. That or sounds something. familiar, but I don't, I don't recall. Yeah. I, and I was, cause I was trying to figure out, I was reading about their assessment of the Sabbath and it's just like, so what day we chill out is more important than not killing people. <laughs> like, that's what I was joking in my yeah, head. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, what? Yeah. But yeah, that's the only reason I remembered it was number four. Um, but uh, yeah, this is some like light shining on the fourth tablet or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got in church. So um, I started studying. I found the Sabbath, said I had to keep it. Figured seven day of Venice wasn't the way. LNGY has a lot of false prophecies. So, you know, you don't follow false, false prophets. So, uh, or prophetesses, however you say the, the female version. But, um, so I started looking for churches that kept the Sabbath and I found a few and eventually I just stumbled upon the restored church of God. 
started reading here in Arkansas? Um, well, I some up on their website because okay. I was reading okay. all online, anything I could find online, and they did have a well, they still do. They have a a uh, group that meets in Neosho, Missouri. So okay. I would drive from Fayetteville all the way up to Neosho every Saturday. That a couple hours. Yeah, I think it's about two hours, okay. uh, an hour and a half. We used well, to do a big basketball tournament there from my high oh, school, cool. right? Like every yeah. year they went to Neosho. Yeah. yeah. So I, I stumbled upon them, found that they keep the Sabbath, and I started reading some of their other doctrines, and that's what really worked for me because not only did I find a church that kept the Sabbath and correctly how I understood it, um, but they have a lot of teachings, and they started answering a lot of questions I had. They answered the one saved always thing, save thing that I was looking for. What, do they, they, what do they say about that? Uh, they, they don't believe in once they've always saved. It uh, does seem kind of bullshit. I mean, it is. It's complete. I mean, it's sorry just, if I know you and you're my friend and you believe that. It's all and good. You listen to the podcast. I don't want I to offend anybody. You. Yeah, I love I love everybody. <laughs> yeah. and I, and I don't want to come across sounding like I'm attacking religion. You know. It's got it's it's got a great side. I personally think there's a lot of negatives that people need to address as well, um, but I do see the benefits as as well. So I'm not here to demonize religion in general. Although I think ultimately, long, long, long term humanity, um, it'd probably be good to phase that out. But I'm talking about thousands of years, you know, a yeah. long time. We, oh man, it, well, just think about how much it's changed in thousands of years. Right. I mean, shit, I'm thousands of years into the narrative before I even hit Christianity. Mm. Uh, and two, this is something that's always bothered me. Is Ra and El are all different deities in Mesopotamia. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, I, I made that point to my dad uh, one time and he was like, I'll look into that. Well, the, the whole story of, um, you know, the, I mean, the Christian fundamentalists argue, you know, that the Hebrews were first and all that, right? But according to historians and all that kind of stuff, there were civilizations before that, right? And uh, mm -hmm. ancient Mesopotamia, their, their religion and their uh, flood story, all of their things with their religion, if, if you believe that they really were first it's interesting how much similarities there are between the early christian writings and ancient mesopotamia mm -hmm. sure we call know. that syncretism oh, i've heard that word right so it's basically that well there's so many examples of syncretism too mm -hmm. of like well i mean we've talked about some of them it's like let's syncretize these pagan symbols in into this exactly it's a repeated process like over thousands of years that's the one i say it's changed that's directly like the shift from Roman polytheism to Christianity is one of the most fascinating things yeah. to me. I'm like, you guys were like, let's just add every single God. Yeah. Right. Like you, your God, his God, their God. <laughs> it's all good. And, and And then you're like, this is the official thing, all right? This is the direction we're headed now. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a momentous shift. One of the books I use for my class is like, there is no greater cultural shift or change that occurred in the ancient Mediterranean world or in the entire Mediterranean world. And that's arguable, right? So, interesting. But... Um, Syncretism. We were on Mesopotamia. What were you? Oh, I was going to say about syncretism. Just, you said... Um, like the Roman Catholic Church, they have so many, but just the funny one to me is the that one of the hats you see that they wear. It's like oh, the yeah. tall, it's like Dagon, the fish god, 
that's what it is if you look at the side mm. of it it's like a fish on top it's got the split like that you know and that's taken from pagan is the fish you see on like the back of cars from paganism i, I think i've seen something about that but i, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head i always heard it was from the ish ish the car or something like that okay yeah no that's east easter the easter story is apparently some linkages to ishtar yeah. but this the fish it, it, i heard was from the symbol or from the story of the five loaves of bread and the two fish or like he multiplied and fed the five thousand is that i mean that that could say that's where it originated but what i vaguely remember is it's much more ancient i'll, than look, that. Into, yeah, I'll but look, yeah, into that. look into that yeah i haven't heard that about the dagon oh there's so many with the hat yeah. oh that's that's scratching the surface that's just one that's funny because when you see it you're like oh my gosh especially if you look at the ancient symbols for dagon and stuff it's just i mean and it's not even like hidden you can find in the literature did you find did you start getting exposed to this stuff in the is a part of the teachings of yes the, okay yes but it's not it's the the interesting thing about that in particular, like the the Roman syncretism, I mean Roman Catholic Church syncretism, it's not like just restored Church of God's teachings. I mean they they pull a lot from other. I would talk shit about it too. Yeah, was... it's hilarious, and it, but at the same time, that's one thing I hated about the cult was like it seemed very loving and everything at first, and but the deeper I got into it, it really turns your heart against everybody. Like mm. I really saw us looking at everybody like they were awful and vile. Like judgmental. Very judgmental. Always talking, like especially I won't I won't say all the ministers by any by any stretch, but many of the sermons were attacking the other religions. And you know, you sort of have to do that when you're a cult and you say that we have the only right way. But when it when you hear it over and over again and it's so extreme at some point you're like do i really want to live my life like this it's like partisan is it's extreme partisan because i mean they're and they do point out many good things but it's not it's very again very aggressive very it's just the way it's conveyed and like there's kids in the audience and they're being raised that way and you see this and you're just oh, like do you really want to just just you just want to just constantly berate other religions and say they're horrible people and stuff like that. Mm. And it's just not a good way for kids to be raised up. Yeah. Yeah. So you found this Neo show group. Well, yeah. I found the restore church of God through the, through their website, which the headquarters is in. That, oh, the HQ is in Neo show. No, no, no. The headquarters is in uh, Wadsworth, Ohio, which I, I actually moved to. Um, oh, wow. I stayed on at the compound. The compound. Yeah. So um, do I need to tell you anything else before that? Um, yeah, so I found them, I started reading all their teachings, and this is one of the things I'm happy about that I actually went through this whole process, is that I'm a naturally curious person, and I found out some things about myself through this whole process that have helped me realize some, some uh, things that I need to tame. Like, one of them is maybe jumping onto things too quickly, and that was my major problem with this, because, Frank, I, I spent almost six years in the cult, okay? So if I would have taken a slower pace and I would have stayed in Fayetteville, then I probably would have come across some of the uh, teachings that were false within like a year, year and a half, and I would have only been in the cult for like a year mm -hmm. and a half, two years, versus like five and a half. Do you think it's because they kind of, 
I'm going to say confirmation bias for lack of a better way to describe it. But you had had these questions that yes. you wanted answered. Yes. So when they answered them for you, yes. was that kind of like a confirmation bias? Uh, like, absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely. But uh, exactly. Yes. But I mean, the interesting thing, though, is a lot of the stuff they teach in the literature itself, they teach a lot more verbally through sermons, which you don't have access to when you're not a member. And even then, when you become a member, I'm sort of jumping a little bit, but this is one of the ways a lot of cults get you. So for anybody listening, if you know somebody who's in a cult or anything else like that, is they're constantly feeding you like new information. And not necessarily every cult, but that's one way they sort of overwhelm you. Because if you're if you really believe and you want to learn and you have, you know, that good spirit, you're like, oh, I believe in this, then you're constantly sort of playing catch up, trying to stay up with the latest and greatest. So you don't have that much time to go back through all the stuff that they've already produced. Mm. Uh, you, especially if you were like me, where I moved the compound, I call it a compound. It wasn't really, a, we'll get into that, but um, it sort of ended up being a compound for sure. Um, but that's one thing they just overwhelm me with. Because like I said, if I was staying in Fayetteville, I just would have been going on Saturdays. I would have had lots of free time to to go through all that old material. But after about... So I, I found them in November of 2011. And in, in the end of October, I believe, of 2012, I moved to Wadsworth, Ohio. And the reason I moved was because... Um, I was going to college at the time, and I had I was about to get into a program, which I'm actually glad I didn't get into. I was going to get into a um, physical therapy assistant program at NWAC, mm. but I had to wait until the following June to get in. Um, so I had this downtime, and I found the church in November. I found out I was going to have to wait. Uh, so November, I found that church. You go fast forward and like in July or so, I found out I was going to have to wait till a year to get into that program, the the physical therapy. So um, I found out that the church actually has a college where they teach people in depth, the religion and all that kind of stuff. Like so, their own? Yeah, all own, their teachings yeah. and, and supposed uh. to go above and beyond, you know, because so, basically the idea of it is, is it's... It's sort of like ministry. It's supposed to be like ministry training, but not everybody who goes is going to be ministry. So what they call it is actually is like, even though the ministers have to go to the college, um, you won't necessarily be a minister. They say you're going to be a pillar in your uh, in your area. So lots of people go, and there's not that many people in the church. They're, every time I looked, when I had access to actually look, because they don't say the numbers publicly, but I actually worked in many different departments there. I'm jumping ahead, but uh, every time I checked the numbers, which very few people have access to, it was under 3,000 people. So, Like worldwide? Worldwide, though. They, have, they literally have congregations worldwide. I mean, okay. India, you, I mean, all over the place. How big was the place in Ohio, like uh, congregation-wise? Uh, a few hundred? It, yes, exactly. I don't think it, it got, maybe it got a little over 200 at one point, but it's constantly going like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think it ever dropped below, eh, 
I was going to say, I don't think it ever dropped below 100, but it might have got in the very high 90s at one point, you know, dropping down to like 95 or something. But it expands and contrasts because the problem in most cults, you constantly have people leaving. So that's how they sort of keep their size is got people coming in, got people going out. But the problem is, uh, not the problem, excuse me, but my experience, and this is just one cult, right? So I can't say it applies to every cult, but the vast majority of people I saw leave it wasn't for doctrinal reasons. It was for they got offended or they wanted to go back to the world. They Stupid were, people shit. They were tired of keeping the Sabbath. You know, it wasn't because they found the error, you know. Yeah, which should be, the you know, not the goal, but what you're like, if you're going to leave, right. like, let's make it a really good reason. Exactly. And that's that's one thing that probably kept me in longer than what I would have stayed stayed to because I didn't, I wanted to find the error right before I left. And I saw all these people leave that weren't that great of people. Mm -hmm. And I saw why they left. And I was like, I can't be like that. But... Were you married to your wife when you moved to yeah, Ohio? Yeah, yeah, So, uh, What was her take on this Yeah, stuff? that's a good question. And uh, I, I won't talk too much about her because, you know, I'd love for her to give her own yeah. thing. But I'll tell you the start for sure. Um, when I first found him in November, she was she was really scared because she, she, she was raised Baptist as well. Did you guys meet at church? Uh, no, we... <laughs> That's <laughs> a funny story. I met my wife at church. No, right. no. I'm, I was uh, in college in Fort Smith, and I was working at Sam's Club as a cashier, and I checked her out. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I used to work at Walmart in high school uh, for a couple of years. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's a funnier story, but I won't tell it because I'd rather go into all this stuff. But um, So she was really scared unbeknownst to me she called her parents and was like i don't know what brock's gotten into please help you know whatever so about a month or two after i had been studying heavily and i had a break from school during this time so i was just constantly reading literally and i didn't read that much before this time and i went from like not reading to literally reading like 14 hours a day wow every day i read a ton of material you were in the rabbit hole i was in the rabbit hole and I was, yeah, so anyway, so I just told her, I said, look, I'm trying to read this stuff to disprove it too. I'm not like, oh, this is great. I found the truth, you know? I, I mean, it, it came across that way, but at the same time, I was trying to read it and find errors. I said, please, just read this first book. If you find anything, let me know, and then you can get me off the path, you know? And that first book she read, and she was sold. So... What, what these books you were reading, were they, I was for, were they propaganda? Like, or were they just like these, these resources that put together very persuasive? Were they so dense that you just kept moving on new material and didn't extrapolate inconsistencies or uh, what? Well, yes and no. Uh, I'd say no for the most part because, um, a lot of them, most most of them are just straight doctrinal stuff. So even though they have a lot of words around it, you're constantly having to reference your Bible. It's not like reading mm. an essay where somebody's telling you how things are. It's constantly referring to verses in the Bible. So you got your Bible open, you're reading what they say, you read what it says for yourself, and then you don't just read the verse that they, they read, and they even tell you that too. They say, read the whole, you, you don't want to take a verse out of context, right? So mm -hmm. you read the whole chapter when they tell you just to read a verse. 
because you're constantly checking to see if what they're saying is jiving, right? Because you can take a, a verse out of the Bible, and if somebody doesn't know the chat, not even just the paragraph, it could be the chapter, it could be the whole book that it's written in, and it can mean something that it really doesn't if you don't have the context of the chapter or the whole book, right? So um, it was just a lot of study. A lot of the books I read were just straight doctrinal stuff, and it made sense. Um, like the Sabbath, um, the Holy Days, that was a big one for me. Um, the one that was a little more sketchy, it made a lot of sense, but it didn't have technical detail, and I always wanted to get more into it because it was a pillar of their teachings, but I got pulled off by all their other teachings. So to your answer, did I not look deep enough into some of it? Absolutely, with this one book. It's uh, Have you ever heard of British Israelism? It's uh, Supposedly, it's been disproven pretty thoroughly by historians. Uh, I haven't read... Th- Is this a, the idea that one of the lost tribes ended up in Britain? Yeah, all the lost tribes, uh, they're supposedly lost. Like, one of them is Britain, and one of them is yes. the United States. They say they say Ephraim is Britain, Manasseh is the United States, mm. and uh, the birthright blessings were promised, you know, to... It's it's complicated, but Ephraim and then Manasseh, and that's why... They say that's why we're reaping the benefits, all these benefits, the, the United States, because Manasseh was supposed to get them. Um, so and it is more detailed than that and they make a convincing argument but what they don't do in the book is actually do a thorough job of showing you how the supposed lost tribes migrated I'm fast I want to I tried to get somebody on the podcast to talk about that and it's, I haven't been able to it's fascinating the, 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 they put a little bit of proof in the book but it's not enough to be proof the, what they put in the book is um, the main thing that comes to mind is they look at um, country emblems like flags mm-hmm. and their symbols that they use currently. And then they go back into the actual Old Testament and what it says mm-hmm. about each uh, child um, that, you know, supposedly the tribes came out of. And they look at what God said about them and they make the connections and say, look, their flags has their, their flags current today have them, you know, and again, that's not enough, but that's to somebody who symbols is a great way to go about it. It is. And it is convincing enough when you're reading other material that you're like, oh my goodness, like, what, is that just a coincidence? That doesn't seem likely. Um, and I, unfortunately, you know, I've moved on and I haven't had time to look yeah. at the disapproval of the migration and stuff, uh, but I've just briefly read that it's been thoroughly disproven multiple times over. So, and again, I never even proved that the mig- where they migrated to. In fact, in the college that I went to at the cult, that's one of the things that pissed me off was um, most of the courses were higher level, like teaching you stuff above and beyond what's taught in the literature because, you know, it was designed for ministers. So you're supposed to know more, you're supposed to know more in detail. But when we got to the class that was supposed to teach the American British Israelim Israelim stuff. The guy literally just taught us the book that everybody had access to. And when he got to that specific point about the migration, which is the whole foundational point of this, if you don't, if you can't trace the migrations, stop talking. So he said, Oh, this guy in worldwide, like literally it was like two sentences. He said, this guy in worldwide did all the research. If you want to know more about it, you can, find some of his writings out there and then just kept talking about something else and i was like that is what this whole class is supposed to be about what you just said in two senses yeah and Mm. unfortunately at that time i was there working for the cult 
Was your wife attending this college too? Sorry to keep yes. asking about her. Yes. No, please ask. Uh, please but, ask. But no, I, it's ask just, anything about her. Because I wanted to know, uh, just the context on like you both are going through this together. Yes, exactly. Like holistically. And, I, and that's what a lot of people told us too, even in the cult. They were like, you're very lucky your wife came along because a lot of people get split up. Wow. And um, yeah. I was reading on the, the Adventist views on divorce. That's like the justification. The unequally yoked type of an argument, like, oh, yeah. your your spouse didn't want to be a believer, right? Well, they had to go, and that's okay. They they teach. It's weird. This church, uh, the the cult RCG, they teach sort of a hybrid of that. Uh, it's a little more loving in one sense and not in another sense. So they teach. You know, I I can't remember the verse verbatim, but you know, the verse says if they are uh, pleased to dwell. In the Bible, it says, if they're pleased to dwell, you should not divorce them. And they believe that. So, like, if your spouse, if you come into the the church is what they call it, right? So, the cult, when I'm using their terms, they, we always say the church. That is RCG, not Christians as a whole. Because they, so according to RCG, they don't know anything. Christians aren't going to get the benefits, you know, that are coming, etc. So, anyway, um, they say if your spouse doesn't believe, but they're pleased to dwell, don't divorce them, stay with them, you know. But if they aren't pleased to dwell, basically they still try and work with them. They, they heavily encourage you stay with them. But if it gets to the point where like it's wrecking your life and your kids are wrecked by it too because your spouse is being, you know, very aggressive, whatever you want to say, then they make the claim that because you weren't married in the church, it wasn't ordained by God. Mm-hmm. So they they will mm-hmm. they'll they they will sanction you know you can get a divorce. So in one sense it's a little more loving than what you said, but because they do try and keep them together. But one thing sort of on that topic that blew me away when I first heard it, and I didn't hear it till I was already moved to Wadsworth. I didn't realize that, and it ties to one of their their deepest doctrines that they don't they think interracial marriage is a sin. What the fuck? Yeah. It's bad. What but, a bad time to hold that belief. But what's crazy is the the pastor, his name's David Pack. He's the leader of RCG. Um, he, he, he wouldn't split up marriages that were currently interracial. And But what was really weird was in like one sermon, he just mentioned in passing, like he may have to address that at some point. He's like, I don't. He just he he left it out there that someday we may have to split up interracial couples in the church. And were there interracial couples present? Yes. Oh my god. Oh yes. There's interracial couples that not, I mean there's 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 a few interracial couples that are just in the church, right? And then there's at least one or two that are actually ministers, mm. which is really rare. Is there any justification that they had? I would say there's no compelling, compelling justification that could be made. But what, what what were they saying about that? It's just some okay. That's that's verse where it, or yes. So um, this is where it gets. This is goofy. So this one I actually never fully bought, but it didn't. It wasn't foundational to my beliefs, so I, I didn't really, I didn't care that much. It wasn't one of those where because you know some of the things in the Bible, if somebody's teaching them, you're like, well, that doesn't apply to my future and it's not a direct command from God. So I'm just going to gloss over that for now and focus on the things that are like, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. Right. So where they get that from, it's pretty crazy is um, 
in Genesis when it talks about uh, the reason for the it's either I get confused it's either the flood or the Tower of Babel no it's not the Tower of Babel I believe it's the flood it says that um this oh. sorry there's a kids martial arts class oh, going on all good next door they right. yell that's <laughs> all good that's their martial arts yeah with the headphones on it sounded like an animal so I was like what is that? Um, coyotes yeah coyotes um they say that it, it says in the Bible that the sons of God like intermixed among like the nephilim is that we maybe talked about this briefly at at that bachelor party probably so right um okay what what a weird thing to talk about at a bachelor party yeah (laughs) getting into like okay but yeah sons of god like that's a weird verse i asked my dad about it is as a little kid especially because some other areas of the bible where it talks about the sons of god it is talking about angels Mm -hmm. so that term there some people make the jump and say that the sons of God is angels there, but most people say absolutely not. But it's interesting that there are terms in the Bible more than just this one that actually mean different things in different places. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I really want to talk before we get done briefly about the Hebrew language. Yeah. Um, but just to finish this one little thing, um, coming off that, basically, when you read that whole story of what was happening before the flood and the, what the Bible actually says, I can't remember verbatim right now, but they think that what it says is that it was an intermixing of the races that was the reason that God caused the flood. So, you know, God said uh, Noah was the only righteous one, not even his family, but he decided to save Noah's family, right? And everybody else died. Well, the verses leading up to that, when you read like the reasoning, what was going on, um, I wish I could remember the exact, you know, Verse, and I'm but, I'm what I'm familiar with what you're talking about um, because that's where the like we mentioned the Assyrians earlier that's all of these cultural groups that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. are apparently descendant of Noah's sons right like the Assyrians there's their their patriarch is Asher yeah which was that Noah's grandson or son I can't remember I I don't. I used to know, but frankly, him, I just, him, Shem, and Japheth were the three sons. So it would have had Ham, to be a great. Yeah, they say, and then RCG teaches that Ham was black, Japheth was yellow, and uh, Shem was white. That's what they teach. Shemites, yeah, they teach that. And uh, so they, I mean, of course, they believe everybody alive comes from, you know, what color is Noah? That's the crazy thing. Uh, they, they, they and say, his wife. That's what they say, and that's what a kid asked me one time at camp because I used to run the summer camp. I was a administrator right under the lead administrator because um, we had kids come from all over the world. It was a pretty cool experience, and I did that three years. Um, but one kid asked me one time, it blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe I never thought of that. But they do – RCG doesn't have a teaching on it, but Worldwide does, so they just pull Worldwide teaching. They say that Noah and his wife were white, but they popped out those three different color babies. You know anything about like the science of like it's there's been some research and like I had a professor that went into it when she taught uh, history of Japan. I was her graduate assistant. And she's like, it is literally all the distance from the equator. Say so, so what? What? Literally the 
the the pigmentation and some of the genetic yeah, fat it's yeah. all the distance of the equator yeah. and she she broke it down and i thought it was compelling and cora brought it up the other day and yeah. was like i think that's so fascinating she'd yeah. remembered like the whole narrative and i was like that is fat you know I, I remember what she was talking about i was like that is fascinating and oh yeah you know there, there's stuff like i heard the other day i was listening about vitamin d it may have been on joe rogan's some, somebody on mm-hmm. joe rogan's podcast but it fascinated me because uh like black people whatever you want to call them i love black people i don't know if that's a negative term or not but it's in in history that that is the term like for example in arkansas history in my my arkansas history textbook is on the shelf somewhere and it's like universally refers to them as blacks okay so uh, you know i heard that they have a hard time producing a vitamin D in the United States, especially like I think roughly above Arkansas is where we don't get enough. I think it's UVA or B. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one. I think it's UVB. Like below roughly, if you draw a line to the top of Arkansas, below there, there's enough UVB um, for everybody. But above, there's not hardly any UVB. And then black people have a hard time with their skin tone absorbing it anyway because that's so specific supposed to be what it's for is near the equator protecting from those uvs so black everybody above arkansas has a hard time producing vitamin d but especially black people so they really need to supplement with vitamin d and vitamin k to get it into their body and when i've heard some comparisons made on that with the covid right right that's where i was that's where it was coming from okay yeah it sounds convincing it certainly does i mean but as you know correlation doesn't isn't causation. So yeah, just because most of the patients with COVID presented with very low vitamin D levels doesn't mean that vitamin D will protect you from COVID. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a convincing argument. I'm just saying I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. I, I say take vitamin D. It's cheap. Well, you know, yeah. Take, it, take care of your immune health, yeah. exercise, eat healthy foods, yeah. stay hydrated. Like you know, like I saw Vice was like this healthy 24-year-old's got coronavirus mm-hmm. and he almost died. Yeah. The dude weighed like 400 pounds. It's awful. Like, I don't know any healthy people that weigh 400 pounds. Right. Not even the six foot six all-American heavyweight wrestler. Yeah. I know. You know, it. that's just there, there aren't probably any 400-pound healthy people. Mm-hmm. But that's just like, I was like, come on, guys. I follow your page and you hit me with this shit. So, anyway. Um what, well, so we were on. We were, uh, the kid, the kid asked you this question. Yeah, he asked about Noah and how the, how the black and white and yellow came out of one couple. So the, the teaching is really loose. But like I said, they they say that before the flood, before everybody got destroyed, um, the deluge. That they see. That's why it doesn't make any sense because it's like it's it's like they were having mixed races. They were. They were birthing them, but yet you weren't supposed to mix the races. It doesn't make any sense. So it's almost like they're saying that just because that's what I thought it said was they were they were birthing mixed races before, but at the same time it couldn't be because that's what they believe caused the God to flood the earth. So I guess they're just saying that just Noah and his wife had the three different colors. What I what I vaguely might remember reading is they say it might have continued for some time and then it petered out there's no science to that there's not you know but yeah, that's, that's yeah. Sort of well, it's the, an interesting narrative yeah to, i'm gonna look at a bunch of this stuff after we get done sure. just to just because it's interesting oh. man i mean i'm fascinated by 
Like, uh, like what well, when Mormonism came on the scene or Unitarianism? <laughs> Mormonism was a, a crazy, like the founder. Yeah, yeah, but it, they and they follow some of these same threads that we're talking about, right? Yeah, like the that they are one of the tribes. Is yeah, it that? Uh, I think I haven't looked that much into him, but I have looked a little bit into the founder. What's his name? Joseph it? Smith. Yeah. Um, and then also from from Joseph Smith and his brother, I forget his name. But then it, then the next more prominent guy. That's mm-hmm. when you go from cult to sect status. Mm-hmm. They say is when your original leader dies and you continue. Mm-hmm. I was Brigham Young. Oh, Brigham Young. Yeah. Fascinating. They killed the the Mormon militia and the Paiute natives massacred a wagon train that left from Harrison, Arkansas. Mountain Meadows. There's a great documentary about it on YouTube. It's the Mountain Meadows Massacre. And it's like a I was in Utah. It's fast fascinating story. But like uh the Baker Fancher wagon train. Right, but like when I was just re- reading about Seventh Day Adventism, like I was saying, I'm like, well, this came on the scene around the same time as Mormonism, mm-hmm. like, and Unitarianism was just a little bit before, and this is all really schisming out of the Second Great Awakening, if mm-hmm. you want to get particular about it in terms of movements, religious movements in America. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's but that's fascinating because like I, I keep asking, like, well, what do they say about that? What, or like, how did did you get any other odd questions from kids? Because I'm uh, fascinated by what kids have to ask. That is true, but but no, that was the only one I got that w- that was like that. Everything else, because frankly, most no, I shouldn't say most, but well, it probably was most. Most of the kids didn't want to be there um, until the if it especially if it was their first time after after their first time because the camp was two weeks long. You got to remember, Damn. they're coming from all over the United States and all over the world. So, I mean, yeah. and we're talking about uh, roughly 80, 85 kids. So, I mean, it's not massive, but, I mean, we got people there from all over the world. India, you know, I keep saying India, Australia, New Zealand, uh, UK, Nor- uh, Netherlands, all over the United States. Um, one from Africa? A couple from, uh, anyway, I, I could go on. Yeah. But, so, no. Most of the kids, it took a while to warm up. They didn't want to be there, but we did so much sports and stuff with them that they quickly bonded to other people. And they, even if they hated the religion, they loved the being a camp. Yeah, so they still. I, mean, I, I love being a church camp. Honestly, that was yeah, a fun time. Yeah, they still had to sit through you know sermons and stuff like that, but they got lots of experience with sports and, and camaraderie with other kids and exercising. Some of them never did. So there was good things about it, you know, um, and, and every, almost every kid, I don't think I ever saw one that didn't want to come back. You mm-hmm. know, they, so you said you did that three, three summers, three years, three years. And uh, that I was actually like an administrator. And then after that, I got pulled away to do other things. So I would just come, uh, for one event, after that, and I would run like our bonfire night because uh, I play guitar. So I would set up everything, and I use I don't play much anymore. I mean, I don't. Are we jamming after this? Yeah, one? let's get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I, I enjoyed that part of it, um, and I I, I love taking the kids out and looking at the stars at night and stuff like that. It was it was great to bond with them. And one kid, in fact, he was blown away because um, we were in a remote spot in Pennsylvania where you could actually see on a dark night the Milky Way. And oh, that, I was just watching yeah. uh, Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a podcast about Civil War films right now, a series of podcasts. 
and they they cut to that. Mm. They just show it in past. I'm like, damn, it don't look like that around right. here. Right. I've seen it in the wilderness portion of the Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I was around nothing. Exactly. Walked out at like two in the morning. That's to where pee. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's magical, and it's a shame that even most of the United States, you know, you can't see it. And this kid came from a massive city in India and it had so much light pollution. He said, we really don't even see stars in the sky. Like you may see one or two at night. I'm talking about stars in general. Like, you know, we go out even with all this light pollution. Hey, it's the first star. I remember yeah. when I was a kid being yeah. at my grandparents in a farm yeah. in Hartman, Arkansas. And when the sun was saying, like, oh, the first star. I can't tell you how many times I was, I was spotting, trying to spot where the first star was mm-hmm, going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, that's the end of the story, but he was just like blown away by the Milky Way, which I think most people are the first time they see it. It's incredible. It, 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 I'd seen it before, but like as an adult, that it may have been the first time I see it. I mean, it blew me away. For sure. Like in my opinion, it's, it's worth it. Like if somebody wants to go see something big like the Grand Canyon, uh, I would suggest you try and find a dark sky park Mm. and go look at the Milky Way before you do that because I don't think hardly anything compares to truly seeing on a dark night with very little light pollution the Milky Way. It's it's almost life-changing, you know, um, just to think about what's out there and where we came from and what what is this place about, you know, and so it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so you've been, you moved to Ohio, you've, yep. you've, you've done, you at least did this camp for three years, you're going through their college, you're starting to, yep. there's, but, but you're, you, you've been hit with a couple of things that maybe raised your eyebrow, but you're still moving through the process. Yeah. And, and that's what really got me though, was, um, when I moved to Wadsworth. Okay. So when we first moved to Wadsworth for like the first three months, I didn't even know that they were building a building. Like we were meeting in a rented space that was nice and they had actually renovated the inside even though it was rented. It was like lots of custom wood and stuff. So when you went in there, it was like gorgeous. But uh, about three months after we moved there, um, we, they start, they built their headquarters on their own land that they bought and we moved there. So, uh, well, the church moved there. So uh, I don't remember exactly how long after they built the headquarters, but they started building other buildings. And then where he built it, uh, all around two sides are houses that were already there because it's a, it's a hundred acre plot. It's a big piece of land. And he's, uh, he, being David Pack, started buying up houses as many as he could because his dream is to have, you know, their own little community compound you know whatever you want to call joe it. rogan wants to do that right now for comedians does he do he's, he's like hilarious. he's like i'm moving to texas i've heard he's him like, talk about we're that. Gonna, he, he keeps joking about it. he's like we're gonna get all of us man joey diaz he's like he's talking crazy shit but i mean yeah. he's mostly joking but i wouldn't be surprised if he moved and a bunch of people moved from new york and california yeah. after this yeah that makes sense i know they are sick of the traffic and many other things in that area i mean for me like I do want to move to a bigger city, but um, pollution, depending where you move, it's mm, a big thing. Like, is, have you seen? We're pic- so beautiful here. Have you seen the pictures of like L.A. just from COVID? How the sky like totally cleared up because there's nobody. Well, you mentioned India. The uh, was it the Himalayas? I didn't they see can that. see uh, the mountains for the first time. Uh, all sorts of stuff, stories like that, just cleared up. And all the asthma and other problems we're not even aware of that is causing with people's health. From what if pollution. COVID, how hard it's hitting people, respiratorily speaking, was yeah. because of something like climate yeah. change? Yeah, very could be. Yeah. Could be. 
So, um, so moved there, eventually moved on to the campus and lived in a house on there, on the campus. Did you have to pay? Rent, yeah. But it was... Uh, but you were working for the church and they paid you? Right. Okay. So, I mean, you had to rent the house and it, they didn't charge an absorbent price. It wasn't like, they didn't give it to you cheap, but they didn't tax you through the nose or mm-hmm. anything like that. They were pretty honest about it. The, the, the bad thing about working for the church is... You know, you're gung-ho and you <laughs> people who want to do that are gung-ho and you're trying to sacrifice for God, right? And that's what they tell you too is like they don't pay you equal to what you would make what we call out in the world. That's the terminology they use. So any, any, anything that's not in the church is out in the world, right? So like Secular. Yeah, secular. There you go. So they don't pay equivalent pay. So you get paid a lot less, but that means you know, your effort is going towards God's work, right? So you, they don't, they don't pay you minimum wage. I'm not trying to say mm-hmm. it's like slave labor, but, but I'm trying to paint a picture that money is so crazy tight if you live by their rules that it's a big, um, it's a big factor in keeping people staying. Because if you live by all the rules and you tithe, more than what most people do, because uh, there's other tithes in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of people don't even believe in tithing 10%, but then quite a few evangelical Christians believe in tithing 10%. But the Old Testament also talks about another 10%. So um, we would tithe roughly 20% of our salary, and then um, we would give stuff on top of that. And this was encouraged, you know. This, I mean, you, you had to do the 20%. Like, you just had to. But, you know, when we would meet for the holy days, you're supposed to give, uh, uh, not donations, but, you know, you're supposed to give offerings. That's the term. And that's above and beyond. Because you don't, your tithes, you just send in. You know, that's a quick side story. Yeah. When I was growing up, my dad would be what you would describe a deacon. Yes. Like, in either one of the churches we went to. Mm -hmm. And at both of them, he was the dude they had come up for the tithe and offering. Mm-hmm. And he like always had this verse that he read. It's like, press down, running together and shaking over. Flowing right? over, yeah. Yeah, like I was just like, but man, I like, I remember we went to his house for Father's Day and he like switched it up on the prayer over the meal. And I was like, never heard him say that. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it was weird. I was just like, did you say the same prayer like every time? You didn't even say anything. You didn't say the word nourish. He always says that word. I was just like, another another funny one. I, I want to get right back to this story, but I just yeah, gotta sorry. throw this. No, 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 no. I'm not cutting you off. I'm just saying, just one tidbit. Back to just um, things that sort of don't make sense. The church that I attended with my wife, like when I when we first met in Fort Smith, I went to her Baptist church because I, I I was raised here in Russellville, so I was taking college in Fort Smith. When I met her, I just went to her Baptist church, and I thought it was hilarious, and I pointed it out to her. She didn't think it was that big of a deal, but you know, the, the Baptists, at least most of them, they don't believe you have to follow the Old Testament, right? It's done away with. Yet, no exaggeration, every single uh, time their pastor spoke, which pretty much every Sunday, at the end of every single sermon, he would quote a specific verse from the Old Testament about blessings. And I just thought it was hilarious. Like, you say the Old Testament is done away with, you know, it's just... Do, yeah. all, do, all, do you know if all Baptists hold that belief or, or is it... I won't, say, I won't say they do because 
technically there's multiple branches yeah, now. I mean, there's will multiple. Baptist. There's more than we even know. I mean, you can look it up online. There's mu- multiple, but the, the problem is a lot of the multiples are tiny. So the biggest ones, pretty much, yes. You know, like the, I think the biggest group is Southern Baptist Convention, right? Mm-hmm. And then I forget there's like two more that are pretty large, but I think they all are along that same line. I mean, most of the evangelical Christians believe you don't follow the Old Testament. I mean, that's pretty much across the board. Um, but anyway, back to the cult. So uh, I was going to the college, learning a lot, but uh, David Pack was constantly talking about new prophecies. And he, it was tough because, one, when you live on the campus and you're a young fella, you're asked to do everything. When people move in, you're asked to help. So not, and this is off the clock. So like, not only do I have to work a regular job 40 hours a week, but on top of that, I got to help shovel snow at all these people's houses. I got to help anytime there's anything that they just need furniture moved around. Could you say no? Pretty much no. You could if it was like an extreme situation, like you're sick or like you had an excuse. Did you try saying no? I've said no a, a couple times, but it had to be extreme. Like if it was because I wanted to study, no. You know what I'm saying? What would they just be like, look, Brock, you're going to do it. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're very serious about that, especially the ministers. They don't want to lose their power. So, you know, um, they they find a way to talk to you without, like, without being super rude, but letting you know, like, you don't want to take it to another level. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, they talk to you in a real serious tone. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want to go there with me, buddy. And uh, you've seen, not you, but seen other people get in trouble doing certain things and they use the same type of tone. So it just, they insinuate that like, you're going to get a serious talking to and your life is going to be in shambles if you don't, you know, do whatever I tell you to do. But yeah, yeah. So some intimidation. Yeah, there's intimidation, but it's not always like that. And it just... And for the most part, a little bit of it's good because you're helping your neighbors out, you're helping people out. But whenever it's a small group, because it's only the young people that get asked to do all this stuff, it's very time-consuming and frustrating because it's nonstop. It's like every week, multiple days, you're doing stuff outside of work. You and your wife also or just you? Mostly the the men, but the women do get asked to do certain things sometimes, uh, but not near as much as the men. It's mostly like physical type stuff, you know moving things, uh. all kinds of stuff like that. But so it's just this combination of like, not only working a full-time job, but you got all this extracurricular stuff they ask you to do. And then you're trying to, I was, I was trying to go to the college, which I had to study outside of work. So I got to fit that into that time frame too. Mm. And that's new material. And then I still want to cover some of the old material to make sure that it's correct. Very little time for that because... David Pax constantly teaching new prophecies and you have to try and keep up every Sabbath to understand what he's talking about because you're supposed to talk to it about everybody because what we do is we have a we have a sermon and then we'd all eat together. So you're supposed to talk with everybody about the sermon and like understanding it. And uh, if you're not understanding it, you know, it could be some issues. Did they ever cue into like, I just, based off what little I know about you, it's like you have an inquisitive mind. Like, yes. you, you, like your whole approach that got you into this was like, 
okay, I read this very convincing. I'm yes. trying to find something that would make me not be convinced. And if I do, exactly. I'll, I'll come off this idea. Absolutely. Um, did they pick up that you were inquisitive in that way that like you might have been questioning? Was that ever a point of contention? Not spoken to me directly at all. No. And I, I think they understand that the sharper people will find something eventually. And that's partially why they keep everybody so busy. And that's partially why mm. David Pat gives the sermons that he does because uh, he has a specific way of preaching when he's preaching prophecy, when he's just covering like old doctrines, which he pretty much stopped doing shortly after we got there. When he covered old doctrines, it would be, you could understand it. It'd be a lively sermon. It'd be exciting. You know, it's just like we're talking now, like you understand. But when he talks about new prophecies, he purposefully delivers it in a very jumbled, confusing manner, and they're like three hours long, and you've got to sit down in the chair that long. So, like, you don't understand what he's saying. He's just a there. passive listener. Yeah, and you're expected to know it. So they tell everybody you need to listen to it again the Sabbath before. So you get in this mode where, like, say it's Saturday, you're listening to a three-hour sermon that you have you may you may know like one thing that he said in the three hours. Everything else is just like, oh my. And you're taking lots of notes, but it's just so jumbled. It's like afterwards you gotta work the Tetris pieces. You know? So then the next Saturday, you know, you're listening to it again and trying to arrange the Tetris pieces, and it's so long you can't get them all in place, but then that's that morning. So then you go to services and you get another three hour just Tetris jumble and it goes on and on and on and what's even worse was he started changing stuff he had just taught the week before damn it i hate it when i do oh that. my goodness it was like it was just a mind screw dude i've done that jujitsu before i'm like guys i found out this shit i showed you a few weeks ago that it, yeah. might, it might be bullshit yeah okay yeah sorry yep yeah like this defeats all that yeah yep. i mean it happens uh but that's like uh I'm real open-minded for that reason mm -hmm. because we err, we make mistakes. Absolutely. That's, and we draw new interpretations based off receiving new knowledge. That's something I've always done too is I'm not afraid to say, I don't know, or, you know. I say that in class all the time and my students are like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh, soon I ask me something I've never thought about or I don't know the answer to. I'm like, let's see what Google says. Mm -hmm. like, you should have Googled this before you asked me. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, how do you not know you're a historian? I was like, you want me to know all the history? Yeah. I was like, I'm doing good to get through this U.S. History 1 class right now. Right? <laughs> do you think they just bestowed the knowledge upon me. Like I'm oh, still yeah. learning shit all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing I keep thinking about, like yeah. this point you're a few years in, three years in or something yeah, like yeah. is a kind of right. the span where we've been covering. Mm -hmm. You mentioned initially that like maybe there's some concern by your wife's parents. Yeah. How are your interactions with people outside of the cult? Yeah. The, the church when you're in there let's say you're three like are, are they discouraged like non-believers or other christians are you, are you discouraged from interacting with those people or are you they want you to witness to those people no uh no they don't that's what's interesting about this particular mm -hmm. cult like the whole worldwide church of god for the most part all the splinters that came out um they don't believe in evangelizing um they believe that god calls you so, I've heard that a lot. So they put out the material, and they you you 
that's what your tithes go to is producing the literature, the videos, all that kind of stuff. And they pump that stuff out on the web and they even have TV shows with a few of these splinters on. We had a TV show for a little while, which I've always, this is petty and I, well, I should have mentioned anything petty, but it, I just mentioned it's funny because from the moment I saw David Pack before I even joined the church and his videos, I always hated his personality. It was, it was seeing him on his videos, it's just like this guy. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like charlatan, it, but it was like very aggressive, very stern and strict, and like it was very strange. Like, mm-hmm. like think of like a, a sort of think of like an old military father who doesn't believe in any joy or something like that. That's how it came across in the videos. Now he's a much more friendly person in person, but that's how he comes across in like his sermons and you know videos stuff like that i just thought i'd throw that out there but what was this guy's background david pack okay i can tell you what i haven't done the research myself i tell you from what everybody has told me i've heard a lot so i can tell you but i've heard other people that have actually known him when he was young too tell me the same thing so i can't promise you this is a hundred percent accurate but i'm pretty sure it is um because I met lots of people, like I said, that actually he was their minister when they were a kid and stuff like that. So my understanding is, um, and it's actually in his autobiography that he has two huge books. They're the biggest books he has. It just tells you a lot about the kind of person. We have, they have a lot of literature, and some of them are pretty large. But there's two books for his autobiography, and they're like each one is way bigger than the biggest book. Anyway, so he found Worldwide Church of God, Herbert W. Armstrong, when he was, he was, uh, David Pack was really good at swimming. Like he was pretty much probably going to go professional. He was really good. He was really good in high school. I mean, stellar swimmer. And he's a big, tall guy. He's like 6'6". He's got the body for it. Like Phelps, like Phelps, you know, mm. like Phelps. And he trained a lot. I mean, he, he didn't, it didn't come naturally. You know, he just did it. And he, so he was a really good swimmer. And he was thinking about going to college for swimming, but then he uh, found Worldwide Church of God, sort of got sold on that, and he sort of did what I did. He moved to Pasadena, California. Remember, Worldwide Church of God was a way bigger church than Restored Church of God. Big. So, and just to clarify, like you have Seventh-day Adventist, then Worldwide, and then what you joined. Is that the flow of yeah, yeah. the splinters? They would say that they didn't come from Seven Day Adventists. In fact, they have literature that traces their history back to okay. a group before Seven Day Adventists. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but they trace a guy that came over. And I wish I remember that part, but there's a guy that had a group before Seven Day Adventists, which Seven Day Adventists supposedly came out of. And that guy, they supposedly trace his roots all the way back to the apostles. Mm. That's what they claim. Yeah. Um, and and they go through a little more history than, you know, they actually jump through a little bit, but I'm not a historian and I didn't proof it, you know, or anything. But yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated to go look into this guy after we <sighs> wrap this up. I'll try and look up the name for you. I want to say it's, I want to say one of his names is Peter. Well, I'm uh, this David Pack guy. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, what I'm yeah, sure, about. sure. He's, yeah. he's still around. Yeah, he is. Um, so, something funny about that in a minute. But so he went to Worldwide. He went to their college. He became a minister right out of their college, and that was like sort of his story. He became a minister, and he he worked. He went back to Northeast Ohio, and he mainly ministered congregations in Northeast Ohio and New York. 
because he transferred to New York for a while and like the biggest congregations he managed was like 11,000 people. Wow. But he would have 11,000 at one site. So like he, sometimes he would travel around to multiple to speak and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he, he was a minister for almost his whole life, uh, working with lots of people and believing what they preach and all that kind of stuff. That's what I've been told. That's what other people have told me. That's what he writes about in his books. Again, can't. And they just wanted to do his own organization one day, I guess. No, 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 no. Or, Herbert Armstrong died. Uh, okay. Okay. And then, so Herbert Armstrong died. And on his deathbed, he named his successor, uh, Tkach, Joseph Tkach. And um, Tkach, very shortly after Mr. Armstrong died, started changing the doctrines that worldwide mm. church of God teach. And just like anything else, right? How does, how does, I'm not saying this is awful, but you know, if people say, how do, how do people kill Jews in the Holocaust? You know, it's like one step at a time. It's like, do, get somebody to do something small that's wrong and then something else that's wrong. You know, it's just incremental steps, right? So same thing. Tkach started to change one doc, small doctrine here, small doctrine there, a little bit later, maybe a little bit bigger doctrine, you know, and eventually the church that he, and he kept going because this took a while. But when he first started changing stuff, people just split off big time. So when it's like the, pretty much the first second change he made, that's when splinters just went boom, and then splinters splintered. Yeah, so, that's interesting. So, but just to trace to Koch, like his I forget what they're called now, Universal or something. But uh, they Universal Life Church. Have they went completely opposite, like in doctrine. So he literally changed, like, et, not just a few things. He changed like, everything. Like they are basically completely evangelical Christian, like, like Baptist, basically, which is diametrically opposed to Worldwide Church of God teaching. So like he just took it the full path, and they still have quite a few people last I heard, but. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the splinters kept breaking off because people would do the same thing. You know, whenever Takach changed something, they say, "Oh, that's not right." So people would split off. You got to know some of those people were megalomaniacs. Some might have been not. Some might have been truthful. You know, but you get that mix of people, and then they would start studying themselves, and they start thinking highly of themselves because they're a leader, and they th start thinking God is showing them things. So then they make a change eventually, and. You got some people that stay with them because they're like, I believe what he's saying and it makes sense. And other people that are stuck like, no, whatever Worldwide Church of God taught is what I'm following. So then they would split her off. And that's just how it got into thousands of groups. So Fascinating. Yeah. It's it's wild how many groups there are just from that one church that started. And yeah, so in this David Pat guy, like he was... Did he just decide he wanted to start his own organization? At he one went point? with a few at first. So he went, he went to, I think, I can't remember if, if Global was the first one he went to, but I thought he went to two and like one group and then went to another group because he claims, this is what he claims, and I sort of believe him on it, but who cares? He claims that he never wanted to be like the actual head of any church. And that's why he followed others for the first like two jumps. Um, but what he claims is like when he got to the second one at global, they started changing some doctrines that he felt firm about and he kept preaching them the way worldwide taught him. And they were like, you got to change this. And he's kept preaching and kept preaching. And he has tapes of his old sermons that he actually preached to them. And he tells everybody to go listen to him to prove like that he stayed fast to truth. 
how it was taught, right? And eventually, I don't know why they didn't fire him like right away, but I guess he had such a pull with his congregations, mm -hmm. they kept trying to work with him, and eventually they just fired him. So when he got fired for teaching the truth and holding fast to what Worldwide taught, he had enough followers that he decided to start the restored church of God that held fast to the truth that the worldwide church of God taught. And to them, they wouldn't say it started with the worldwide church of God. Cause you gotta remember they claim that their the worldwide church of God's roots even trace all the way back to the apostles. So even though I keep mentioning worldwide church of God, they, what they really claim is that they're holding fast to the truth all the way back, you know, to the apostles. Like it's the chain that they trace from them all the way through worldwide and then eventually through Restored Church of God, which he's changed stuff now too. So he's changed quite a bit. Yeah. And that's what actually started to get me to leave and not just because he was changing it, but that's when I started to like awaken a little bit. So what, when that process started to take place, when you started to kind of, did you just start planning a way out? Did you did you go talk to leadership? Like, what was that process like? Um, well, it was a long time because at first his sermons, like I said, were very confusing. So at first I started telling ministry, which by the way, they tried to make me a minister and I wouldn't accept. Uh, it's a longer story than that, but I went to the school and I was actually a there's like two steps. It's like you go to the school, and then if you're actually, if they actually want you to be a minister, you can be a minister. They ordain, they don't technically ordain you, but they name you an, a ministerial assistant. And that's like your training period to find out if you're really going to be a minister or not. So you tutelage under another minister, that kind of stuff, which, shocking enough to me, I was really surprised. Maybe this isn't a bad thing. Maybe it's not. But to me, I thought it was ridiculous. There was very, very little training involved with actually being a ministerial assistant. I thought it was going to be like the college times 10, you know? Yeah. And all I did was go along for a ride with another minister when he visited a few people. And like afterwards, he hardly even explained anything. Now, it could have just been that minister too. And I did go with a few other ministers too. So it wasn't just that one. But the point is that training was very lacking. But yeah. so to answer your question, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, I was just like, when you started to go through, you went, you're going through this ministry training. You're yeah. starting to ask some questions. These sermons are super confusing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're moving, it seems like, at the pace of light, and you're starting to get new information, exactly. new prophecies. It was overwhelmed. Yeah. I didn't feel stressed, but information-wise, I was overwhelmed. So I was a ministerial assistant, and then, like, basically, now, there could be multiple reasons, but basically, at, at a time period, I was a ministerial assistant for quite a while, and then they said... You're not going to be a minister for right now. Um, personally, I think that was um, mostly financial reasons because they were losing quite a bit of people. And the only thing that they told me specifically was like, I needed more growth, which could have been very true. You know, everybody needs more growth at the same time though, right? And uh, that was a little devastating a little bit, but not, not really because I was a little overwhelmed and everything too. But a fast forward about a year from that time, and I was very close to leaving, and they tried to actually make me a minister, and I said no. They Did you feel like that? Were you uh, were your feelings hurt or anything that they passed over you before? No, it wasn't because of that. It was because well, it wasn't because my feelings were hurt. It was because I saw the way that they were ordaining people, not necessarily everybody, 
But it, the reason, okay, the reason that it seemed to me that they were trying to make me a minister was frankly, and they didn't explain this at all to me. I'm just putting two and two together and I've been there for a long time. I've worked in almost every department in that. How many years is it into the game at this point? This was about five. Okay. And when I worked there, I worked in a lot of the departments. They have many departments because they have a, they have a, they have a, like a headquarters building where there's many departments and then they have a separate building that's a mail building where they produce all their literature and stuff with nice printers and stuff like that. And they have another building where they produce, produce all their videos and stuff, which is actually really good content. I mean, not the content itself, but I mean, quality is what I meant to say. Uh, they have, because it's really up to one guy. They pulled in one guy who happened to have a lot of experience and he's really good at what he does. And only three of them produce the videos and they're quality wise, incredible quality. But anyway, um, they have like a church administration department. They have an IT department. They have um, executive department and multiple departments. And I've worked in many of them. So I saw the inside out how a lot of things work. And frankly, what it seemed to me was that the reason they didn't ordain me the first time was likely mostly because of funds, mm -hmm. but also maybe because I needed to grow more. But whenever they wanted to ordain me again, the reason that I, I mean, I'm almost a hundred percent sure it was just because they were trying to get me to stay because mm. Whitney, I had told Whitney that my wife, that, um, I wanted to have a child, but it was up to her, you know, cause uh, for a while she wasn't sure if she wanted to have a child and I wasn't going to pressure. I said, you know, I said, just letting you know, I want to have a child, but if you don't want to have one, that's fine. But just think about it. Cause if you do, I want to have one as soon as possible. So, yeah. so that's sort of what got us on the wheels because money was very tight. You know, you're giving them all your funds. There's no savings hardly at all. You're working for them. Um, it's just there's almost no way out. I mean, the only way out is if you leave, you're going to have to go live with family or something for a temporary period. What year is this? You went in in 11, so is this like 2016? Yeah, sounds about right. Wow. So you really haven't, like, this isn't that far removed. Yeah, 16 and then, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we've only been out, like, maybe a little over two years. What's that? What's it been like since you've been out? Like, is there major adjustments? Uh, what did you have to go live with family? Yeah, temporarily, we absolutely did, because we we followed everything we were supposed to do, which means we had no money. We had nothing. Was the fam were your family's understanding and like uh, her parents? Her her parents are awesome. Whitney's parents. I mean, everybody has their flaws, but her parents. Let me just tell you what. Let me give you a little anecdote. When I first met my wife. Whenever I she introduced me to her parents, uh, I don't mean this as a slight toward my parents because my parents are fine parents, but just take this as what it is. When I first met her parents and spent like, you know, an afternoon with them and then a second afternoon, I actually told Whitney, I said, wow, this is what a family's like. Like, yeah. they're wonderful people. So... And that holds true to today. We, when we were in the cult, we had a lot of arguments because they're firm Baptist believers. And I had to like, basically at a point, I had to get real serious with them and say, look, we have to just not talk about religion. We love each other, right? And we're fighting all the time. And they agreed and we got along ever since. Um, but yeah, we stayed with them for like three months just to get on our feet and everything. And I got a job and um, then we moved out after three months. And uh, it was tough. I mean, and this was the thing is some people don't have family like that. Some people's yeah. family hate them. And that's why my point is like, 
I hope if anybody's listening, you know, you'll have a little more compassion for somebody who you know is in a cult because even though if you even though the person in the cult, if they realize it's wrong, they should just leave and just even if they have to live in a dump, you know, do whatever you gotta do. But at the same time, that is one of the things that keeps people in long, especially if they're in a cult where they live, you know, on the area because mm-hmm. their money's gone. And like, what are you going to do? And it's just tough, especially when you're accustomed to living a certain lifestyle, you know, not like rich and fancy, but if you're going to have to go live in like the projects, you know, because you can't afford anything more than like a hundred dollar a month rent, $150, you know, that's, it's life changing. So we were very lucky in that sense that her parents were wonderful, took us in for a little while, we'd get on our feet and we could get back out and we're on our own now. And uh, that was hard, but mostly since I've been out, it's been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, dude, I I like honestly, I just had this thought, but I think you could like turn this into a book or something. <laughs> That's what people want me to do. Like this is uh like I really wanted you to come on and tell your story, but I also didn't want to like throw you on front street. Like that's why I was trying to fill you out in the beginning of like, I'm do okay. we really want to call this a call? Like, yeah, like no. type of a thing, because I didn't want to like, I didn't know if it, if we were going to get because um, just talking with mutual friends we have, they un- universally refer to you as the Seventh Day Adventist. <laughs> I'm just like, that's so that's what I was reading all about. But but two, I was reading about groups that hold the Sabbath also, yeah. right? And. Mm-hmm. and and it's been fascinating. Like I said, I mean, just in my passing interest in that, I'm like, this shit's on Saturday. Like, you know, it is like we were talking earlier, but this is an amazing story. Um, and some people, is fascinating to me, that would be in your... Did you see people inside of there that just never questioned? Oh, yes. In fact, um, it's sad to say, and I hate to generalize, but I'd say the vast majority of people that attended were not very sharp meaning like well below average IQ. There were some people, very few, that were very sharp. Like lawyers so, and stuff like that. Oh, there was PhD law, uh, law doctor, and there was a medical doctor that actually ran, uh, like he was about to run multiple hospitals in Arizona, like big time. And I mean, that's just two. There's multiple professional type people that, with professional degrees that not just that had lots of experience. So I don't want to generalize and say, you know, only dunces can be sucked in because that's not true at all. That's what blew my mind about the Branch Davidians in Waco is the number of intellectuals that were in the compound. Yes. I would say the majority, again, were not at RCG, but that still doesn't mean that much no. because there was there were quite intelligent people there. But like what, yourself. Like, dude, you're, you're a bright guy. Yeah. You're... You're, you're a great speaker. You haven't been like him hawing around this whole time. I'm always saying um and shit, right? But like you're, you're, like you're articulate as fuck. I, I spoke a lot. I gave a lot of speeches and uh, just practice makes perfect. And they help you weed that stuff out. So I'm thankful for that. I mean, I took a speech class in college, but they had some some speaking classes too that I took. And uh, the You know, the Scientologists that I've talked to, it's like the big hook for them is that they provide you with so many things that help you succeed in life. Yes, like yes. skills, life skills. Yes. So. That's what I actually wanted to mention. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, everybody likes to talk about what I redo it, you know, things that have happened in the past. You know, would you redo it if you could, you know, not go there or whatever. I mean, probably, but at the same time, uh, there were so many good things I took away from it. There really was. It taught me so much. Uh, it increased my maturity level. Uh, big time. 
there's so many structured things that they do, speaking classes, uh, dances. You can learn how to f- formal dance. That sounds like a small thing. But it's just so many aspects of life that you don't hardly get anywhere else that you get in this cult. And it almost like cultures you. Mm-hmm. Now, there's bad things to that too. But uh, the way I sort of look at it is I sort of see it as my military training in a way, like boot camp. Like it was very tough. You got a certain set of skills now. Yeah. Like, and well, I've been fascinated to hear people like, I mean, there's a famous skateboarder named Christian Hasoy. He's the guy who came up with the Christ air. Oh, I know the Christ right. air. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but he got super addicted to drugs, ends up becoming a evangelical Christian. Oh, okay. Gets in a in a youth pastor type role and mm-hmm. changes tons of people's lives and stuff, right? right? So it's like for some, it's I guess it comes down to subjective reality. For some people, it's a great thing. Yes, right. Uh, religion in general, yes. The cults, like I was in into, I don't know, because it was a lot of brow beating, um, a lot of negative focus uh, in the sermons themselves. Not not in the everyday life and in the in the and in the meetings we got together and the holy days when we kept those were fun and wonderful, but the the teachings themselves were pretty negative. Some I'd say probably half of them. So from that cult perspective, you know I, I don't wish it upon anybody, and I wish they wouldn't have to go through that because it, it just gives you a different outlook on life and looking at people very judgmentally. Mm. But like evangelical Christians and stuff like that, if there's a lot of good to that, like you're saying. I mean, yeah. especially if you boil it down and you don't dig too much into certain teachings of Bible and they, the groups that just like generalize and are like, we're supposed to love people, you know, and be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And they just keep those general principles. That's wonderful. One of the greatest guys I know in the whole world's like that. He's a youth pastor. Yeah. And like, we don't talk about religion at all. But I'll tell you straight up, dude, like, when my wife's grandma was dying, I called that dude. When my dad had a heart attack, I called that dude. And oh. I was like, look, man, I don't really believe this stuff, but I know you do. Right? And I was like, I'm struggling with this. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, say a prayer for me. Yeah. And I think there's some power in that, right? And I would not quantify myself as a believer in those things to, mm-hmm. a, to a great extent. But... um you know, there's a bunch of great jokes out of the, about thoughts and prayers and whatnot. Do you still, are you still a believer in any sense? Like, do you attend church? Like, where are you at with all this on the other side? Sure. Uh, no. And it took me a while to not, because actually we started attending when we first, you know, broke out of the the cult. We started attending a um, Methodist church and it took me a while, but I was, what I wanted to do was I wanted to keep studying just like I did before, and prove what I believe. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I was just going to go to church just until I understood what I really believed. And it took uh, three or four months, but I had quite a bit of time and I did a lot of study. And uh, for me, I came to the conclusion, absolutely not. Um, as far as Christianity goes, no, I'm not a believer whatsoever. Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm an atheist, Ag- agnostic is how I do right, and but not, but yes, exactly. I was going to say agnostic, and but it's like more vague because I, I don't necessarily even believe there's any type of God like the God of the Bible. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily completely rule it out, but I don't think there is. But 
who knows what else there might be. Like maybe know? ancient aliens. <sighs> maybe, but I'm saying like... Sacrastitch. Exactly. Things are so complicated. You know, the Big Bang, what was before the Big Bang, string theory, oh, there's multiple universes, you know. And this is all like still infancy and understanding. But my point is like, there's so much we don't understand, as you know. And, and for t- to say adamantly, like, I'm... I'm an atheist. Sounds pretty crazy to me. It, it is crazy. I think that's too. Also, I don't agree with being a skeptic. Okay. Right. Like I like a, a healthy dose of skepticism, but like when you work just from that point, it can be positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having, oh, I'm real open minded. Yeah. It's like no, you need to see what all three of those stories say and think critically about it. Right. Like, uh, but it's so easy. Like, I, I, and I'll follow some skeptics. Like, Michael Shermer is a skeptic I follow. And it's like, that dude will argue just to argue that something's not. Yeah. And he's been caught doing it. Can't like, stand that. against Graham Hancock, who I have all of his books up there. I can't stand that. Yeah. Um, and he pretty much on Joe Rogan's podcast had to be like, all right, look, maybe human gatherers were capable more than we thought. All right. There you go. <laughs> It's like, yeah, dude, it's not that debased of an argument. It's right. like, look at Gobekli Tepe over there. Like, yeah, that's impressive. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, that's, you have an incredible story. Um, and two, I, I like that you have this kind of uh, learning-based approach. Mm-hmm. We, we still don't have, I joke with everybody, I'm like, hey, we, we still haven't figured it out. But if you figure it out, you can let me know. <laughs> you got it, bro. Right. You got it. So, well, dude, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story, man. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks it's for having been me. Great content. Dude. I enjoyed I'm, it. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting it uploaded, bro. Absolutely, it, man. Yeah, wow. I'm getting some new a uh, boom. I have one. I got to get another one for the guests. I have this awesome yeah, yeah. hydraulic boom arm that's like it's it's, it's money. But I got to get one for you too before right. I can't. You can't have this thing. I'll have to come back happy. to experience yeah. it. Yeah, Yeah. Well, right on, bro. Well, Maybe thanks, I can bro. talk about computer science someday. Hey, dude, if, if you want to, yeah, I'd be down. Because, uh, man, that's something that, shit, they might not even have arts and humanities teachers uh, in 20 years. You might be the future. Wow. I know it's sort of creeping into a lot of... Uh, dude, I read an article today that was arguing to get rid of general education. And I work at a community college, yeah. and that's all we got. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, no. Guys, guys. Yeah. Uh, but, they, but they were just like, but they were arguing for four-year institutions. They're like, you come here, you pay half your degree almost for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, basically, they're like, people stop bitching about part of this college stuff if it's more about specialization. Mm-hmm. And they were like doing figures on how much money you lose out on. Mm-hmm. By having to take introduction to music when you're going to be a nuclear engineer. Yep. And I get being cultured, but damn, dude, you cultured yourself like in all these other areas right. without ever, without going, going to college too. But, you know, but computer science, man, we are moving at such a fast rate. Like when more people, this is how bad, when more people die that were our age when the internet was invented, mm. that's all there's going to be. Like, I still know plenty of people that they can't teach online because they are too old. They're just too technologically inept, and they're 62 years old. Mm-hmm. And they they don't care. That guy, I work with a guy, and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to come back because he doesn't want to teach online. Like, I mean, and it's like because he's in, – and really, honestly, I wouldn't want to learn online from him either. I'd want to do this. Sure. So – 
anyway, but best of luck to you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Right on, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> fantastic. Yeah. Hey, thanks again, man. What a great story. Yeah. Man. I didn't know, like, I didn't know how that would go, you know?